Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth, and they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen... Dan and Aldo. It's the Dan and Aldo show. The one moving his lips is Aldo Gandia. The one in the still image is Mr. Dan Aguirre. And for those of you Listening in the podcast version, none of that matters. You're just here to listen to Dan's opinion about everything that happened at House Hall Monday. Dan, I take it that you were one happy motherfucker. Absolutely. And I want to say this, and I'm going to preface it by saying I'm not the most intelligent, most loyal Bears fan or any of this. I'm not pounding my chest saying I'm, I'm the right and everybody else is wrong. I'm not trying to say that. I'm right. Everyone else is wrong, but please go ahead. <laughs> but from afar, I, I, I don't understand everyone bitching about the McCaskies. I don't get it because we are not, this is not an independent situation. We're not like the only team that's had owners that's hired like three or four or five coaches or whatever. Look at the giants. 
The Giants have been a shit show the last decade, and they've got four Super Bowls. So it happens to everybody. But like, uh, just, oh, I can't handle. Uh, we're going to be back here in three or four more years, and uh, the George is going to be trying to hire somebody else again. Guess what? He's the fucking owner, and he doesn't want to give up the team. And you know what? At least he fucking gives a shit. Like, again, is he perfect? No. But the, <laughs> did he talk to us when we saw him in Cleveland? No. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I, I think like. Jacksonville's got that rich guy, Tony Khan. I mean, look, he just spent all that money on uh, the, the fucker from Ohio State and Florida, and they already fired him. How yeah. many coaches has Jacksonville had since, since Tom Coughlin left? Mm-hmm. It happens. Even to good franchises, the Jaguars at one time were a good franchise in the late 90s in terms of, you know, they were competing for, in, you know, for their division and the AFC Championship. I mean, it happens to every team. Isaiah Robles says he 100% disagrees with you. And so how many times, Dan, does it, do you get, how many chances do you get at hiring the right coach and the right general manager? I, I don't know, but my, my, we have to live with, it's not like we can fire that we can't force them to sell the team. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be a bears fan, you just have to accept that they're the owners and stop bitching about it. What else can you do? But again, point my point, and I don't mean any disrespect to Isaiah or anybody else that disagrees with me. I encourage you to have your own opinions, and you could be right. Mm-hmm. But once more, look at any team. Look at Al Davis, for example. Al Davis, for you know, won the Super Bowls, three Super Bowls, and then for years had futility, and went, and went through a bunch of different coaches when he got older. I mean, it happens to every franchise. It's not like uh, other than Pittsburgh got to say other than the Steelers and now New England because of Belichick, but overwhelmingly each franchise has to deal with this issue where they hire a bunch of different coaches. The factor um, says, Dan, people are bitching because we've been a laughing stock with the same top elites making the same decision. He can give a shit. Doesn't mean if he makes the wrong decisions. And I totally agree with that. George McCaskey was condescending. He did, he wasn't properly prepared again for another press conference. Last year's press conference, almost a, a year to the uh, to, to date, was an embarrassment for the Chicago Bears. Then he comes out again and does the same thing. I posted something on Twitter that at the very least, he could have had the optics look better. He could have had Bill Poley in there. He could have had the two uh, African-American people who are now joining in the search, people who we've never heard of before, people who the Chicago Bears have never let us know that these people are on the staff and that this is what they do and so forth. And if they had, they've kept it a secret because they haven't really let people know. And so, and then talk about Bill Polian. Why wasn't Bill Polian there to answer questions? Why was it just George McCaskey looking like the guy yelling, get off my lawn, lawn. And then they got uh, 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 Ted Phillips secluded away in his own office to maybe make, they didn't even introduce him but maybe make this visual representation that he's going to, he's not going to be involved anymore. He's just going to be in his office over there jerking off to porn pictures of Arlington Heights and stuff like that. That was a fucking catastrophe. That press conference. Well, I don't, let, let me interrupt you and did say you that. I'm see, not dis- by the way, did, did you see I watched it? Or, the live, okay. watched it all the way through. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with the substance of anything you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm just, my point is to say that a lot of franchises have owners that hire multiple coaches 
four, five, six coaches, whatever, over a, a span of owning the team. Cause I just got so tired of hearing, Oh, what if we're just going to be back here again with George and how many coaches can he hire? He's the fucking owner. He can hire as many as he wants. He can, if you don't, but, but after a while, we it's are not the, independent to the bears. A lot of teams, look but at I don't care about those teams. I don't but look care. at Detroit. I'm just saying we can't be in a bubble and think that this only is the bears. This is like the NFL. Every team goes through that for the most part is what I'm saying. He's not going anywhere. So if you don't, not only you, you in second person, if you don't want to support George McCaskey, then why are you a Bears fan is what I'm saying. Like, I, there's just so much bitching about, you know, George is the owner of Virginia or Ted Phillips. I mean, it, it, to me, it was a good day. The press conference, you know, didn't go the way he wanted. I, I confess that, and I'm not a George apologist, but look, man, he got rid of Ryan Pace. He got rid of Matt Nagy. If we were sitting here last Tuesday and I told you, for sure, Aldo, Tooch. Let me tell you guys, I've gone to the future. I've come back. I've Michael J. Fox this shit. And I'm telling you, they're both gone. We had have sat around saying, oh, that's fucking good. Dude. That's good. So be happy what we got. We have two guys that we wanted gone, gone. See, I, I, I don't quite agree with your approach on this. And again, you know, your opinion is as, is as valuable as Of course, as that's, mine. that's the fun of the show. Absolutely. But what I what I feel is that the the Bears made this decision because we've been grumbling. We've been grumbling for years now. Dan, we watch a game together, you from West Virginia, me from Chicago, and you're texting me, I'm fucking sick of this shit. Goddamn bullshit. We get <laughs> out to social media and we bitch and we moan and so forth. You don't think that that's had some reverberation all the way to Hallisaw? Because... I truly believe that it has. It is fan discontent that has forced the Chicago Bears ownership to make these moves. They would have kept their son, Ryan Pace. They would have kept their 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 nephew, Matt, uh, Matt Nagy, if it wasn't <laughs> because us fans made all this noise. And so we have to continue to point out their well, isn't that a good thing though yeah it is a good thing but we now we need to point out their ineptitude at making the choices of leadership there are ways that other football franchises are making decisions now much more progressive innovative approaches that the chicago bears are not employing and so we need to to voice our opinion and to complain and to stomp our feet because if we don't they'll continue to make the same mistakes over and over again we don't even know who they're going to hire yet though it that, could be a slam dunk. It could be. It could very well be. But they're off to a bad start because that press conference. Now, now they're off to a good start in that they finally made the decision to get Ryan Pace out of here after seven years of mostly ineptitude. You know, a 20, 20 games under 500 when you include the two playoff losses. Only one division title. I mean, the, the record of his ineptitude is long. And people can point, well, he drafted this guy. Well, he drafted that guy. Well, I can use Dan's argument there that owners make mistakes. Well, GMs luck into making a good first-round draft book. How hard was it to draft Roquan Smith after Quinton Nelson was drafted two picks earlier by the Colts? That was a fucking no-brainer. So to That's the only one he got right. Yeah, Other than much. Fields, we hope Fields is right. Yes, exactly. 
So, you know, it's, it's, there's just so much ineptitude here that it's fucking concerning because I'm 63 years old. I'd love to live through one more Super Bowl. And they're right now, if, if they don't get a slam dunk, if Bill Polian and George McCaskey and everyone else involved in the search committee, if they don't get this right, then we're facing another four years of mediocrity or maybe worse. And and no Super Bowls, and I'll be fucking eating my food through a straw, wondering, you know, what is that game on TV? Those guys hitting each other. Oh, I remember it's football. I don't want that. I want us to win a Super Bowl championship while I still have most of my senses, and I'll drink to that. <laughs> it's my dream. It's my dream. Like when we won the championship game mm-hmm. in 06 mm-hmm. to go to the Super Bowl over New Orleans, mm-hmm. I cried. Like you, you cried after the, the Parky missed. I cried when we win, and you know when we won that game to go to the Super Bowl. It was my dream. I was only five when they won the Super Bowl, so it's like I've seen it all in retrospect. I didn't see it through the eyes as an adult at the time, you know. So it would be amazing. It's my dream. It, it's like I said, I'm one of those Cubs fans. I'm afraid I'm going to be like the someone's grandfather that lived, you know, a hundred and then they died. And uh, they died before 2016. You know, just I feel like I'm going to be one of those guys. I hope not. So mm-hmm. I, everything you're saying, I agree with. Mm-hmm. I, all I was, again, my, and I'll digress from the point, but my thesis was there's so much like just complaining that about the ownership and the fact they've hired several coaches. And it's like, that's not unique just to the Bears. I get we want to win and I'm right there with you. But there are a lot of people are acting like this is only the Bears that that go through this. No, and I, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, uh, a lot of times we look at things through na- uh, a narrow lens, and it, it, we don't realize the other ineptitude going on in the NFL. You're absolutely right. But like I said, I don't give a fuck about their ineptitude. We should be taking advantage of that. The fact that we ended up in third place when our roster was better definitely better than the lions and everybody has a better roster than the lions um but uh they beat green bay sunday they did you know why because green bay didn't give a fuck they (laughs) they they had clinched everything home field advantage throughout so they didn't give a shit but uh (laughs) my point is that i forgot what my point is but never mind that i want to say something about johnny santucci who is behind the stage directing the show putting up the comments and so forth he is such a delight to have so that i can concentrate on my opening chat with you and i I really can't wait for him to appear on the show in about an hour uh john will share his thoughts about everything that's happening at hallis hall he's got a lot to get off his chest he's not a big George McCaskey fan either and uh, but let's let's talk a little bit now Dan about the media's approach or or, or Podash, pardon me Podash, Podash was on fire yes oh fuck I forgot to lay down that uh, that what you call it My, uh, tell me about Mark Podash you know he was asking like I don't remember the specific questions but every one of them that felt like it could be Ooh, do you have the the balls to ask this one? It was always coming from Mark Potash about whether it be, you know, I don't remember if he asked the Olin Krutz thing, but everything he asked specifically was a, like a fucking jab. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's almost like he had, like he was, 
he definitely was. He's not a coward. I can tell you that because no. he was asking some tough questions. There was some questions like the press corps would ask the president back <laughs> in the day. Well, you know, and like, that's what it should be. Like Greg Gabriel yeah. said, I, I, we did Greg. I did Greg's uh, show uh, yesterday, and the first thing he says that fucking media. What a bunch of bozos and so forth. I like, but Greg, that's their job. It's their job to be an adversarial media. They didn't, they, they didn't get on that Zoom call to jerk off George McCaskey. They got to ask the tough questions. Yeah, but they don't know how it works uh, in the inside. Well, guess what? Then tell us how it works on the inside. M make a better presentation so that the media can get off your back. It started off terribly when you see this old man, George McCaskey, staring at the camera and he looks like like he's trying to find his teeth you know <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's awful and, and speaking of podcasts i want to get i want to get this off uh, out right away because i posted up on twitter the james daniels the thing? james daniels thing yes and maybe i'm overreacting to this but uh, James Daniels had a Zoom call. It wasn't really a Zoom call. Well, it was a Zoom call, but it was there wasn't any video available on, on their YouTube channel. I checked uh, ChicagoBears.com. So there was only audio available that came through WSCR radio, uh, the 670 the score. And so Mark Grody brought the audio of Mark Potash having a conversation with James Daniels. And I just thought that, James Daniels sounded stupid, man. I really, really did. So I'm going to play it for you guys. And well, where you, did you extract this from? Where did it air? Uh, it was on WSCR radio. Mark Grody, the, the uh, Bears beat reporter for uh, WSCR 670, the score, went on the Parkinson Spiegel show and brought this the audio tape from this conversation. And they had a, a multiple clips. I, I just whittled it down to a couple of minutes. Uh, to get the gist of James Daniels, but there was more of that, and you can go to their website, uh, uh, six seven to the scores Audacity uh, website, where they've got the podcasts of all of their shows, uh, and, and uh, it, it's good listening. They're they're doing a good job over there, just like ESPN is. I I know a lot of people are critical of our Chicago sports radio stations, but I'm not one of them. I, I think that that for the most part they're doing a very good job. But here is uh, Mark Potash. Uh, interviewing James Daniels, and the gist of the conversation is, do you prefer Matt Nagy's buddy-buddy style of head coaching, or what is the name of the coach at Iowa? Tooch, uh, pop in here and tell me what's the name of the coach at Iowa. LaFrance, I, I believe it is, the head coach. Um, let's see. Tooch? His name is Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz. So he's yeah. asking him, what is what is the uh, what do you prefer? Because Kirk Ferentz is a fucking ball buster. No nonsense. You get the job done. This is what it so he's asking Daniels that, and Daniels is struggling with the question. So here it comes. And by the way, the the chatter that you hear underneath uh, the interview is the guys over at the score. I said, if, if Nagy made it fun, he said, Nagy made it fun for you, but it, you didn't win. So if Nagy made it fun and you didn't win, and Kirk Ferentz, you know, was kind of more of an old school guy, and at and, and Iowa, you won, do you think the Bears need a, does a different, does the more old school approach win? Is that, do you think that's what the Bears need? Is something more old school and, and a little bit different? Because, you know, obviously. <laughs> I mean, that's actually, so uh, it's, it's, that question's kind of funny because, I see, like, personally, I mean, I don't do media a lot, but I have a feeling, like, I know what kind of answer you're trying to get out of me. 
So first, I think that's, I mean, that I, I do think that's kind of a funny question. But secondly, I mean, it depends what, explain what do you mean, like, winning? Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't what, like, what, what are you trying to say? Like, what, like, what's your, like, what win percentage are you talking about is winning? That, that's, that's my question. Did you have, what, did you, did you feel you had success at Iowa? Were you a successful team at Iowa? It depends. I mean, what what do you feel? I mean, what do you depend? I mean, Nicholas, Nicholas is from, he went to Iowa. So, I mean, he, I mean, he would probably know. But, I mean, I'm asking, personally, I'm asking you. So, in college, what? I guess what, the Cowboys would be going to bowl games and the NFL would be going to the playoffs. But the thing about, the thing about college and the NFL is like, oh. in college, you go, I think you, you only need minimum five wins to make it to a bowl game. And so, therefore, you play twelve games. You win five of them. I mean, I'm not too, I'm not too good at math, but I believe that's what like 45 percent win rate, right? Right. So, if you have a forty five percent win rate in the NFL, what are you? What What's your record? A forty five percent win rate. You're you're yes. like you're like uh, you know seven and nine, I guess. Or is is there is there any seven and nine teams that make the playoffs? Not generally. So, so how can you say being successful You're in college is making? Wait, no, wait. Oh, I, I'm just saying, like, how can you say being successful in college is making a bowl game if you literally just said that a 45 percent win rate can't make the playoffs? I mean, this according. I mean, this season, you 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 get you get what I'm saying. I'm yeah. like that's. Kirk Ferentz has won more than 45 percent of his games at Iowa, though. I'm, but I'm just I'm going off of your question. That's that's I think, what I'm saying. I think Kirk Ferentz has been more, is more successful at Iowa than Matt Nagy was at, with the Bears. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, because I mean, because okay. Coach Ferentz. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, because Coach Ferentz, Coach Ferentz is the longest tenured coach because he's good at what he in, does. In, that's the point. Okay, Dan, tell me what you think. There. I think he's maybe he doesn't want to. He knows that, he, like he said, he knows where Potash is coming from, like what the answer he wants. So he doesn't want to call out Matt Nagy. So I guess props to him for that because obviously Potash wanted him. He was framing it to say, oh, yeah, the old school approach was successful and Coach Nagy wasn't. But he didn't want to do that. So he got into like a disingenuous like debate about nothing. Like he just changed the subject and like, no, 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 no. What do you mean by winning percentage? And what do you mean by winning? And like, he just like, fuck, it was like, we were on a, a like Tucker. <laughs> you See, know, it was just like completely avoiding the question. I don't know if he sounded unintelligent. I wouldn't go there, mm -hmm. but I thought that he was adversarial just to avoid burying Nagy. And and and, you know. and and so that's fair. So maybe I'm I'm being too rough on James Daniels, but I just feel that to just skirt around the issue because the the basis of the question that Mark Potash Potash is asking and and Stephen Zimmerman is saying that he 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 thinks Potash was being unfair. Uh, put that back up there. Would you? Uh, here it is, Stephen Zimzimmer. Would you basically ask a dude to burn his whole coach? Like, this is a bad job at the media, not Daniels, in his opinion. See, I disagree. Marcus, I do too. I think Potash is asking a tough question. It is a tough question. 
but yeah, but that's his job. Exactly. And so, so that's, that's not a bad job by the media, according to uh, uh, contra- you know, I'm, I'm opposing what Zimmer, Zimmerman is saying there. What Mark Potash is trying to get at is, do you want a coach that is buddy, buddy, and everybody's having fun and you're not making the playoffs? Or do you want a coach who is going to kick your ass and get you to play at a high level and get you into the playoffs. That is what he was asking. And what the answer should have been was you can have both. You can have a coach that wants to have fun. And I believe that philosophy works and you can get into the playoffs and you can have the other one too. That's that should have been the answer, as opposed to I I, I know what you're trying to get to, uh, and, and hemming and hawing, and I'm not good at math and, and stuff. He just yeah. came off sounding ignorant. For he was argumentative just to be argumentative. He could have easily said, "I know what you're what you're asking me, but I don't want to bury I I don't want to bury Matt Nagy. I like both cultures, mm-hmm. and that could have been the end of it. Exactly. Exactly. All of these guys, starting with George McCaskey on down to Jalen Johnson and and uh, 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 James Daniels, every player, every player. The only one I can think of that doesn't need media training is Nick Foles. Nick Foles always seems to know what the right thing uh, to say is because he's a veteran and, he, and he's he's very good. But most, I think his big dick talks to him too. Exactly. I think that has a lot to do with it. It's like a ventriloquist effect. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just a big media training kind of guy. That's my background in corporate America. When after I left uh the CBS station here in Chicago, I went to work for corporate America and I did a lot of work consulting on how to make people work well. I even did did it before uh CBS. I worked for an oil company once. Uh Dan, you'll get a kick out of this. And we used to do scenarios uh, where we did these interviews with guys who were like leaving the washroom and we do uh, what's it called when uh, a bunch of cameras just walk up to you and start interviewing. I like the Jesse Waters thing on the O'Reilly factor. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a name for that. For ambush you. Ambush interview. Right. We would do these pretend ambush interviews. So we would be holding these conferences and there's all these executives during the break. And then my job was to go in with a camera crew and say, Hey, what is the deal with the oil prices? And they're so high and so forth and try to catch people off guard so that they would get more comfortable answering questions when they're being ambushed. So media training is important for all sorts of things. The fact that James Daniels goes on there and says, I'm not, I don't do a lot of media interviews. That is an issue. I think with the Chicago bears, they should be teaching their players to be better able to answer questions from the media. And there's just some basic things that can be taught to these guys to get out of that whole Mark Potash thing. Like, like I said earlier, it's a very simple response. We can win with both. Next question, Mark. That's it. George McCaskey, he, he, uh, you'll, you'll hear in the media interviews, he just talked for too long. He provided too much, too many, uh, too much non information. He's babbling along. He throws Olin Kroots under the bus. He says that he's a fan. He's not an evaluator yet. He's going to have the GM reporting to him. You know, these are all things that could have been avoided with proper media training. It's that simple. I got a couple things to say then on, on based upon you going to the, the press conference. 
For one, I love that George called out. I don't remember the scenario. I, I know like what you're going to say. The the fact that like Jalen Johnson let the receiver catch the ball and then get up and yep. didn't touch him on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that happened in the Rams game. He's like, that happened in opening night. And then it happened in the last game of the season when he called out like things that were unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, yes. That, that was that was great that he used something else too that I remember thinking. Because I, mean, I had just woken up when I heard when I was watching this on mm-hmm. Twitter. Uh, but there was something else. He called out two scenarios that basically was a nice guy approach of saying that Nagy wasn't holding anyone accountable. <laughs> and I agreed with it wholeheartedly. The Olin Cruz thing, my take on that was I felt that George got mad there. Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong. I don't have any inside information. Mm-hmm. But at first he was like, oh, I'm going to take everything he says with a grain of salt. And then he goes, well, you know what? That was taken out of context. And he said it like in a like a pissed off kind of mode, I thought. So maybe uh, there was more to it. Like I said, maybe there's like a, a large portion of the story that would like, oh, okay, I get it now. And I think from his perspective, that's the way it was. And I'm not trying to defend uh, McCaskey, but if you, if you watch that, he seemed to get really angry with the Olin stuff. So there must be something there. Uh, like you said, usually that's been taken out of context. Yeah, but he he was smiling through part of that. And I actually, in the media clips, I included that soundbite to give context to uh, when Olin called into the score sports radio to uh, explain his side. I included that little clip of George McCaskey answering the question about Olin. And you will hear some long pauses by George McCaskey as he's trying to find the right words to respond to that question. And during those pauses, he's smiling. He's like, and that just made the whole thing worse. Again, simple media training. I have not talked with Olin or with Ryan Pace about that issue. I will uh, look into it. I've been pretty busy the last couple of weeks since Olin said that. So I haven't had a chance to address it, but I hope to talk to Olin very soon about it. Boom, done. The fuck is wrong with these guys? This guy's a multi-millionaire. He's got billions of dollars. He can't fucking answer a question that simply. I'm sorry. Go ahead. no, no, I was just saying, but don't we kind of want him to be more honest? I mean, that's like a, a Mitchell Trubisky, like robot answer. He, no. he showed some emotion a little no. bit. And I feel like if he's smiling, that's like a politician. They uh, they always smile, even though shit's going wrong. No, I've been divorced twice. I'd be divorced a third, fourth, fifth time if I was <laughs> totally honest. <laughs> <laughs> no fucking way. It's sometimes better to leave out information or to obscure the, the you want people to be authentic. That is true. But you sometimes you just can't be honest. If if McCaskey truly believes that Olin Cruz was lying about that, why would you share that with the media? Why would he 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 impugned his character? That's not something you should do at a press conference and any press conference. Not well, as, he maybe he's the I don't know. You're right, but maybe he is just trying to defend the logo, saying that he's taking a shot at the Bears. So I'm gonna I'm a little bit pissed off about that. So not me, but I'm just putting words in George's mouth. So maybe he's defending the Bears Shield uh, when he's like, "Man, why is this guy starting this shit with us?" You know, like I, I, I'm just I could be wrong. I'm just just giving you a, a counterpoint 
to potentially explain his answer. Right. But once more, you could be completely right. I, I don't know. I usually am, but that's a different story for a different day. Stevenson Zimmerman says, all George McCaskey said was, Olin knows what happened. What's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. Because you will hear in the media clips Olin's side of the story. And well, he also pointed out that he thought Olin should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, which is which was nice. I thought when he first started saying that, I thought, okay, he's going to handle this one good. And then all of a sudden, he takes a left fucking turn right down the riverbank and into the water. There he is drowning, George McCaskey again. That poor fucking guy can't drive a car down a, a one-way street with no parked cars. I mean, the guy is awful. He's awful. I... Prior to the last year or so, I I liked George McCaskey. Amiable, talks to the fans, except us when we were in Cleveland, and just seemed like <laughs> a really good guy. Now I'm starting to fucking hate the guy because he just came off as a rich guy who has inherited this fucking football team from his family, and he's going to do things his way. You guys are complaining that Ted Phillips keeps hiring the wrong guy. Well, guess what? That wrong guy is not going to report to me, even though I got to learn how to, you know, how to do that job. And maybe the guy that they hire is going to teach me how to do that. It's fucking stupid. Do you and think that he knows that he, uh, again, I could be wrong. I'm not trying to be a psychologist here, but let I, the way I took from it is that McCaskey's trying to be like Nagy was with a lot of times like self-deprecating to like to be charming like oh I, you know i'm just a fan but i think his ego underneath that which he's not conveying he's like dude i got this shit i know what i'm doing in which we could all as bear fans be like really i get that but i think from george's mindset he probably thinks i got this shit but i'm just trying to be nice and affable and i want you all to think oh he's a good guy so i'm not coming across as arrogant could be um, but it sure didn't seem that way it, and didn't seem that way to me and a bunch of the media people that I heard over the last few days. I, I, I think you'll, you'll hear it from some, some of the people in the clip that I have. So, um, so I don't know. Um, and, and, and I really, Dan, I really, really appreciate the fact that you're taking the opposite point of view and challenging me on my point of view, because I know that. But I'm not doing it just to be a dick. No, no, no. I, that's what I'm saying. You're doing it for, for good reason. Although let's look at it from this point of view. And, and I appreciate that. Everybody should do that. And I, uh, I don't think the bears do it enough to be honest with you. From, from my seat right now, again, I just, this is maybe I'm just not, Maybe it's me who's wrong, but from my chair, again, I just want to say this is my thesis. Mm -hmm. If you'd have told me last Wednesday, I'm sorry, last Tuesday, we'll be back next week and Nagy and Pace won't be, but you're going to still have Ted Phillips. Mm -hmm. Would you have said, oh, fuck yeah, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. And I would have, I would have said, yes, okay, they're both good. You could have told me last week that we have to keep Pace and Ted Phillips, but, but we get to fire Nagy. I would have taken that. I yeah. would have taken that. Okay. So now we've got both of them gone. It's like a conquering of a, a mediocre monarch. <laughs> you know, like, a, like a dumb emperor or something. Like, I'm not saying that they're both unintelligent, but I hate to hear both of them speak. I hate their dialects. I Obviously, I don't like their decision-making. Like, Nagy, you know, fourth and one, 
Fourth and goal from the half yard line. We've got David. Well, you know what? We're going to be in a fucking shotgun, and Dalton's going to get sacked. Mm-hmm. I'm so, they should have blown Minnesota out. Mm-hmm. They had an opportunity to win that game 31, whatever, 20 themselves, 31 6, 31 10, whatever. And then they lose by 14. Mm-hmm. I'm so done with that. If there was ever a game that was ever like the poster boy, of Matt Nagy's coaching career, the one game that encompassed all of it, that was the Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. I'm totally- We've been seeing the same shit for three seasons now. The same dumb mistakes, the same dumb fucking calls, fourth and one, shotgun. I mean, hand the ball off to David Montgomery there. Mm-hmm. Period. And then when, okay, if it doesn't work the first time, then the second time you at least hand, nope, we're going to do it again. Third, the third time we're going to pass on fourth time. Uh, you mean Dalton sacked every time? This guy's an idiot. And the fact that he's gone and, and pace are gone. These two guys, even if they're nice, couldn't do their job effectively. And I'll take sweaty Teddy and George and Virginia, 99 years old. Happy belated birthday all fucking day over those two guys. So I'm happy. That game, I, I think I, uh, the way I phrased it on Twitter was an emblem of Matt Nagy's reign with the Chicago Bears. It starts, starts off good, like the 2018 season. Whoa, wow, this guy seems to have some ideas about how to run an offense. We're winning. We beat the Packers at home to clinch. This is fucking awesome. And then all of a sudden, just like that game, late in the first half, score three points Vikings come out score seven and things just go downhill uh it was and it was just like Matt Nagy's career it's totally emblematic of his uh yeah his, uh, yeah hey uh I agree with you and Dalton has no arm left he can't come back they cannot resign him yeah that's another thing you know both Nick Foles and Andy Dalton what the fuck happened to their arms did they get the the COVID shot and it fucked up their their arm? <laughs> Don't say that. There are a lot of people that would be like, yes, that's why I'm not getting it. I actually heard a guy earlier. I'm not making this up. I that they, he was one of these you know detractors. Like you never get the vax. He was saying to to offset or mitigate COVID. You guessed it. Drink your own piss. Mm-hmm. So they'll drink their own fucking pee. Over just getting the shot. <laughs> to me, that's insane. But that, okay, that let's insane. not talk politics. Hey, I forgot to put something into the media highlights. I want to play it for you here. Uh, make sure I can you can hear it. Hold on. Hey, what's going on? I'm Dan McMahon on WKOY, the classic rock station. If you're listening, you're probably a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. You don't know what it's like. You've had three coaches in 50 years. So just just bear with me on this now for a guy that likes bad teams like the Chicago Bears. All right, you ready for this? Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. (laughs) Yeah! It finally happened. The bald man has been fired. The Chicago Bears have fired Coach Matt Nagy. I've talked about it and probably annoyed several people, if not a lot of people. They're like, we don't care about the Bears here. I get it, but I still talk about it anyway because it's part of, a big part of my life, you know? <laughs> He's gone! Even the general manager, Ryan Pace, was fired. The irony is all these, like, self-loathing Bears fans have been complaining that, oh, the press conference wasn't this, or they don't like the owner. Or, you know, 
you can't get everything you want. But we got two things. There's I I, I dreamt about this day. Pace and Nagy, is that possible? It felt like that was impossible, improbable. And here it happened. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. W-K-O-Y weather. That is priceless, Dan Aguirre. By the way, who is this Dan McMahon guy <laughs> we just heard? I told you, yeah, like in like 04, they didn't like Aguirre. Uh, they said it, my radio job was said it was too ethnic, and they wanted to call me Danny Murphy. And I thought, oh, fuck, I can't go by that. I'll be dead, you know? And, like, I had 24 hours to come up with something. And, again, I thought I thought of Jim McMahon. So I've been Dan <laughs> McMahon hilarious. since 2004 because they <laughs> Aguirre's too ethnic. That That's what I was told. crazy. You should sue these guys. There's got to be some some law that would prevent them from doing that. Aguirre, too ethnic. That's wild. I mean, by the way, um. So all of these awards that you've won, you've won like almost a dozen awards for your radio work out there in West Virginia. All of them have your stage name. Yeah. Does that bother you? No, no. I mean, I feel like I, I almost wish I could tell them on air like now, like, ah, this is just a, like my gimmick or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I got to I got to just play the role. Uh, that, that's, you know, that's who I it's my radio name. It's cool. A lot of people have. Uh, handles you know that aren't really their legitimate names if you get a job at a different radio station will you go back to aguire or keep mcmahon no i've been at different stations all I've, using mcmahon yeah well i've been here twice at the cluster i'm at now and that started at another station back in 04 holy shit so i just kept using it because they liked my work yeah, Mo Beerman says a lot of radio guys do that. And I, I guess that is true, but I thought it was more true in yesteryear than than present. You know, nowadays, everybody wants to hire ethnic-sounding uh, names. Uh, and, you know, years ago, if I would have sent a resume to a radio station, they would have said, Aldo Gandia, throw that in the trash. I can't even pronounce that name. <laughs> um, well, see, that's why I, I, I acquiesced, because for my whole life, people have called me like, Aguire mm -hmm. or Aguirre, which again, that, that one's cool. That's what her name used to be, I guess. Um, but uh, Aguire, all these different things, and my name's always been misspelled. They would spell it like a choir, mm -hmm. like I was acquiring a blowjob tonight, you know, like they are, always would put you? a C, a, a Q, <laughs> all like so I was like, fuck, I'm I can get well, get away from my name being like, what is that, and how do you spell that? Like, okay, I'll go with McMahon. That is hilarious. Well, that was a great hit, and I love that you you thought of uh, putting in that sound of we got him. Because that awesome. that's what I legitimately thought <laughs> when I woke up. I didn't know. The first thing I saw was in the group text, and, and uh, Tooch said something like, Danny must be asleep because I have, uh, you know, he hasn't commented yet. And that's the first thing I read, and I was like, oh, fuck, what did I miss? You know, <laughs> I started going through it. And that, when I saw it, I was like, I didn't even know about Pace yet. I just saw that Nagy was gone, yeah. and that's the first thing that popped in my head was, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. We got him. He's gone. <laughs> that is. I'm great. sorry. He might be a great guy. He might have to be a great family man. That's all, you know, separate. Like, my malice is toward his coaching decisions, not his character, mm -hmm. or he is a man. Mm -hmm. But as a coach, he was inept. I'm sorry. He was. No doubt about it. And no doubt about it. And, um, 
Well, I, what I'd like to do now is play the media clips because some of the things that we've discussed already have been discussed by the media. And I want your reaction to some of this stuff and the people in the chat room to react to some of that stuff. And um, and then there's a couple of things that perhaps you have not heard and people have not heard. So I want to share that with you now. It is about, I want to say, 23, 24 minutes so without further ado, this is the Dan and all the media reaction sound bites for January 11th, 2022. Here we go. We are back on Get Up and we have breaking news. And for that, we bring in our NFL insider extraordinaire, Adam Schefter, as there is a lot of news from the NFL today, as expected. Shefty, what do we have? Greeny, a busy morning in the NFC North. Moments ago, the Chicago Bears parted ways with Matt Nagy, let him go fired this morning. No surprise there. The Minnesota Vikings have fired their head coach, Mike Zimmer, and their general manager, Rick Spielman. So Matt Nagy is out in Chicago. Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman out in Minnesota. The NFC North making a host of changes this morning, none of which come as any terrible surprise here when we look at it. Matt Nagy met with Bears ownership this morning at 7 a.m. Central. Then they called a team meeting that may still be underway as of right now. That was scheduled to begin at 8 a.m. Eastern, where Matt Nagy was meeting with his team. And I would imagine, I don't know that officially, Greeny, that he informed them at the meeting of what had happened today. They had been let go, and I'm sure he thanked them for all their time and services. Now the Bears face a big decision going forward as to who will be the head coach. And I think a lot of people wondering about the general manager, Ryan Pace. No official word yet. My understanding is, I think the sense was that he was going to be retained, but that is not official. Hey, Jalen, Ryan Pace drafted you. What did you think? What was your reaction when you heard the news that he was fired? I mean, I was shocked. Um, I mean, I just found out probably 45 seconds before I got in here. So, I mean, at the end of the day. More news coming in as we speak. The Chicago Bears have just fired their general manager, Ryan Pace, to go along with Matt Nagy. So Matt Nagy's out as the head coach. Ryan Pace is out. In the NFC North, the Bears have swept out their head coach and GM. And you can see it's already a very busy morning in the National Football League. At the end of the 2020 season, we had a decision to make. Matt's one-loss record was well above 500, and we have been to the playoffs two out of three seasons, but with zero playoff wins. We felt that Ryan and Matt had earned the opportunity to improve upon the results of 2019 and 2020, that continuity was the best route to positive results. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Over four seasons, we beat the teams we were expected to beat. Too often though, we didn't beat the better teams. And you have to do that to excel in this league. Our search for a general manager and a head coach begins today. It will be thorough, diligent, and exhausting. I thought George McCaskey today embarrassed himself. I thought that was the single worst performance by a Chicago sports executive at a press conference city in 30 years. He was truly awful today. Yeah, well, and the problem is you and I were part of a show on almost the exact same day last year where we were saying a lot of the same thing. Like, what do you do? About that press conference a year ago. So for it to repeat itself today, I think was quite frankly startling. 
that, that they, they didn't seem to understand the tone of last year. But why should we be surprised? Shame on us. Yeah. Well, and that's why I tweeted afterwards. I said, stunned again, and I know better. Right. Like, I know better. But um, that, that's, I, I think, and, and that's the thing I've been saying, Cap, over these last couple weeks is, regardless of what happened with Matt Nagy, what happened with Ryan Pace, we knew Nagy was going to be out. Pace was more like 50-50. There, I kept saying there's going to be a moment like an hour or two after the news comes out where everyone takes a breather and they go, okay, now what? And you're going to realize Who's that the, the same people are still there. So it's actually a good thing Bill Polian's involved. I know we're going to talk about some of that. But still, to, to have so much of the same people, it just feels like 2015 all over okay. again. Okay, and it went on from there. So you and I watched it. You were part of that Zoom. What was your initial takeaway? Because I thought he spoke way too long. He engaged questions he should not have put himself out there because he doesn't know how to answer. Well, and like he just said, you know, his mom said disappointed, but she's on the board and the board says, you know, run it back. You're, you know, you're still, you, you still have our approval. And then Ted's still involved, even though the GM's going to report differently which I don't actually know if that inspires much confidence. You know, one part where I thought was not a great moment for George today was when he went into how I'm just a fan. You know, I'm not a football evaluator. Well, that's why everybody thinks you need to hire a director of football operations, yeah. somebody above the general manager who holds him who accountable, checks and balances, who holds them accountable, who says, hey, we know you like Mitch Trubisky, but you might want to circle back and look at Deshaun Watson again and Patrick Mahomes again and, 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 and loop the head coach into it, you know? So I, I think that that's where there's this divide that was not closed today in any way with what George described as going to be the process. It's great you have Bill Polian involved. I think that's a good thing. I think Soup Campbell being involved is a good thing because he really understands the players. But once you get the new GM in, What's going to be different? It's really just like a prayer that you're going to hire the right guy this time. Did he surprise you yesterday? Was there anything you heard that kind of raised your uh, radar a little? Probably a handful of things. You know, I don't know. When when George says he's not an evaluator, uh, okay, well, that's that's one lane you can pick. but, But then he's the ultimate football guy there, too, because the GM's reporting to him. And it sounds like he's hoping that the new GM's going to kind of help him learn in this role over all of football operations. You know, you, you ask him for to sort of, hey, you're the owner. What was the take on Justin Fields' season? And he kind of punts on that question. He doesn't really want to uh, offer up much of uh, much of an answer. So I, the people that were clamoring for Ted Phillips to be less involved, maybe they didn't get everything they wanted there uh but george is the george is the top football guy at house hall and it's going to be that way for the foreseeable future just but but couching it as the you know i'm just a fan um i i don't know that that inspires confidence in his fan base what did you think of the inclusion of soup campbell uh, as they referred to his nickname like everybody in chicago knew who they were talking about and tanisha wade in terms of the people who will be in the room during the interview process? And and why do you think they still are stopping short of uh, contacting or using a former player as part of the process? You know, George said he, that he 
talks to former players regularly, but they would not be interested in using a former player that's involved in the media because they wouldn't know that they could keep everything confidential. Uh, by the way, Bill Polian involved in the media, apparently uh, Bill passed their test for being able to keep, you know, understand what he can talk about in the media and can't, and his former players uh, uh, can't be that trustworthy. Uh, in terms of the makeup of their search committee, you know, uh, Soup Campbell, uh, he, he played in the National Football League. Uh, he was with the Detroit Lions, primarily on special teams, so he's got uh, some experience as a player, uh, and, and he obviously has his uh, has his finger on the pulse of the uh, locker room there. And then Tanisha Wade has been kind of a fast riser in the organization, so they're able to get some, some different perspectives Um you know, George and Ted are maybe they're able to point something out in an interview that uh, that might have slipped past the other two guys as they're kind of dialed in on something else. I, it, they've got, uh, you know, with those four people, I, I think uh, they will be prepared, right? They'll be able to be organized. You kind of attack that as a group effort. But ultimately, like you, you could add three more names to it, but it's George's call. It's going to be on George's resume. Uh, it's going to be on George's record uh, what these new hires do. And George's record uh, in these last 11 seasons, as he's been the chairman, uh, hasn't been uh, satisfactory. George, Olin Krutz, um told a story the other day about how the Bears offered him essentially a, somewhat of a consulting role with the offensive line. Um, for $15 an hour. Were you aware of that offer when it happened? And what was your reaction whenever you were aware of it? I've learned over the years to take just about anything that Owen says with a grain of salt. And I look forward to hearing that story again and hope he includes it in his Hall of Fame induction speech. So you're saying that it's not true? Uh, that's the way it is sometimes with Olin. Don't get the whole story. And Olin knows what the story is. I just, I'm, not, I'm not surprised, guys. Honestly, I'm not surprised. I think what George was trying to tell you there uh, at that, that point in the press conference was that he doesn't like me. All right, George McCassie, I guess he doesn't like. Uh, and I know I've had some run-ins with George, to be honest, in the building uh, when he was in charge of the ticket office. I remember he had, there's a young linebacker, I won't mention his name, but I uh, had his shirt off at the ticket office window and George started yelling at him and uh, me and George started yelling at each other. So, uh, you know, I, I understand that George doesn't like me. And he's telling you that he doesn't like me as a person. And he doesn't think I'm a good person, and he thinks I'm a liar, I guess, right? He doesn't talk to me uh, since I left the building in 2010 or 11, uh, played 190 games for that team, uh, was their team captain for eight or nine years, uh, won four or five Piccolo Awards while in the building. So uh, he called me a liar, and, and that's fine. You know, I immediately, because now I'm thinking to myself, man, maybe I got the story wrong. So I call Harry Heastan, and he confirms the story. Uh, to me, and I called Ryan Pace, and I talked to Ryan Pace about it because that's what guys do, right? Uh, guys who are leaders, guys who are in charge, guys who are worried about their character, they call people and actually talk to them. And what George McCaskey should have said right there, because maybe the story didn't get to him, 
What he should have said is, maybe I need to talk to Harry and Ryan about what happened with Olin. Maybe this was a misunderstanding. Uh, if, if he had any respect for me, he would say that. I have respect for them and the organization. So what I actually do is I actually call people who are a part of the story instead of calling somebody who spent that long in your building, who played through injuries for you, who spent that much time trying to win football games for you, who now is a father of six, who coaches kids in football, who does, does all these things, who now is 44 years old, who now have, you haven't seen in 11 years, instead of calling the guy a liar and everything I say you take with a grain of salt. If that man would have said that to my face, we would have had a problem. Olin, it, it is an attack on your character and your credibility, and you felt it that way. So you called the people involved, including Ryan Pace, made sure that the story is right and are able to stand here with your head held high in this conversation. All George had to say was, I don't know all the details of that conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I'll leave that for, I mean, why would he go out of his way to question your credibility when, as you've clearly stated, the story is true and George doesn't know it? Yeah, he's questioning the credibility. Now, if I take myself out of this and I become the analyst, right? The last time I played on a football field for the Chicago Bears for George McCaskey's football team, I tore the Liz Frank ligament in my foot in the, in the third quarter of that game. I told the Mike Tice on the sideline that I thought my foot was broken. He said, Olin, can you finish the game for us? I said, yeah, I'll finish the game knowing I was going to become a free agent, knowing that I was in my 13th year in the NFL. So I played through a torn ligament in my foot. Now, George would tell you this story, you got to take with a grain of salt because we all know Olin's a liar, right? That's what George would tell you about this story I am telling you right now. But I flew to Indianapolis, went to see their foot doctor, had him put the, he had put a boot on me for five or six months. So I can prove these stories just like I can prove the story by talking to Harry Heastan that I told about the $15 an hour. Ryan Pace told me, obviously, first time I talked to Ryan Pace about the story. He told me a little different version. Obviously, there's two sides to every story, but he said the offer was made, but it was a standard offer that they would make to people that would go to camp. It's all George had to do is to look at the story a little bit and just say, man, uh, there's our side and there's Olin's side and there's a misunderstanding here somewhere, and maybe we'll talk to Olin about it one day since the people in that building do have my number. But instead, he went out there and said that about me. And let me tell you something right now. I, I see it this way. If a guy like George McCaskey doesn't like me, that is a win for me. As someone who was a friend of Jeff Dickerson's, I did not appreciate George McCaskey using his death and, and J.D.'s son Parker as a jumping off point for him to wag his finger at people who were mean to Matt Nagy. Number two, I've known Olin Cruz for almost 25 years. I had to, uh, the opportunity to cover him. Olin is a lot of things, but he damn sure ain't a liar. And the fact that George sat up there and called him one is ridiculous to me. There are plenty of questions about whether or not Bill Polian should be in the room, and they are legit questions. And the fact that you are, you're bringing in someone that you feel comfortable with because of their proximity to you and your age and him relying so much on Bill Polian's book to help shape what should already be an education in football after spending almost 80 years in football is ridiculous. If, if you don't have the ability on your own 
through years and decades of owning the team and running the team to conduct your own search. If you don't have the contacts that you've developed with coaches and general managers and others around the league where you don't feel confident coming up with a slate of candidates, interviewing them and knowing who to pick and not to pick, if you have to hire a consultant to do that, then you should just sell the team. You've got no business being in the business. If you can't, because it's not all that complicated if you're truly in the business and you know what you're doing. You can put together on your own a list of the people that you should be talking to. And then you go talk to them and you make the decision on your own about who you believe is in the best position to run your team. Because when you hire a consultant, you are bringing to the table that person's biases, prejudices, likes, dislikes, you're going to hire one of his friends, one of his cronies, one of his friend's kids. It's You're buying into that, that, that narrow-minded view of how a football operation should be run because you're basically abdicating your decision to a guy who's only there for the purpose of making that decision, and then he's gone. See, it's not on him. If How, how, how many times has it ever happened, Chris, whether it's – and we can come up with the list. It's Bill Polian, Charlie Casserly, Ron Wolf, Ernie Acorsi. Yes. How many times right. is there ever any accountability for one of these consultants who come in and force their candidate onto a team, right. and then that guy sucks and gets fired? Do we ever have a scorecard of, boy, no. let's see how Bill Polian's recommended hires right. have done when right. he works as a consultant. No, it's the perfect gig. They're going to pay you. You get to play kingmaker. And then whoever gets the job is indebted to you. So they have to take your calls and answer your texts. And you get to play puppet master a little bit. I get to tell them what to do. I get to feel like I'm still in the game. Look, I would not do that. If you want Bill Poland involved, George, if you want him involved, hire him to be your team president and have him stay there after he hires the GM and the coach. So he's accountable yeah, for whatever right. mess he makes with whoever it is that he pushes on you to hire so he can re repay some debt or build a new debt where somebody's going to owe him something. It's a huge mistake. I beg any owner out and none of them are listening, but any of you that are never do this. If you can't hire the guy on your own, sell the team. You can make good money right now by selling the team. You're better off doing something else with your time. If you can't figure out who to hire as your GM or your head coach without hiring an outside consultant. No, I, I mean, I agree with that. I, I'm not a fan of the outside consultant type of thing. I, to, you, you explained it, right? That's exactly. We just see that too many times. I bet you if we kept the scorecard, we'd go, oh, it didn't work out for the consultant more times than not. I mean, again, I actually want to sit here and think about it and go like, I, in fact, I can't really remember a whole times, many times where it ever really did work out with the, this type we of would know if it did. I, we would know if it did of because course. they would be pushing be it. Pushing it. Hey, right. Bill Polian's right. recommended coach and general manager right. has won two Super Bowls now. Yeah. And we never hear it. No. So it means it didn't happen. No. You're you guys believe that if the right guy is out there, whoever that is, Jim Harbaugh to some college dude to Leslie Frazier, that they will look at Chicago and go, George McCaskey, the McCaskey, I'm out. Or, hey, they're going to turn the keys over to me, and they are pretty loyal. Yep. Yes, I have to deal with some of their naivety, but I'm going to take that job at Chicago. I think it's a prime job. I mean, you've got an owner that's not going to be sitting in your office with his feet up and saying, why did we run that? You know, I've been there before. Uh, and you, and you got obviously a, uh, one of the best football towns in America, and you got a quarterback that's got a bunch of ability. I think it's a prime job. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think for all the faults we talk about with the Bears, 
anybody who's going to be walking in there and doing one of these interviews is going to look at it exactly the way you said it. I'm in charge. I have, <laughs> I have all the power, and, and I have Justin Fields. Okay, when George said, if we interview the right coach, we'd be willing to hire him before the GM. Do you believe that? Do I believe they do it? Yes. Do I th think it's the right thing? I would just be real careful. I mean, um, just from the standpoint that I have been, uh, you know, in situations at three different places where, uh, you know, even going back to college, you know, when I was at Pitt, the athletic director hired me, then he left and went to a, a different job three years, and a new guy came in, and we didn't mesh, and that's not what the deal that I agreed to. You know what I mean? So you, you want to get a GM that that has skin in the game on your behalf, and he's going to stand on the table, because you're going to have tough times. I don't care who the coach is. It's going to be ups and downs, but you need that GM saying yes, because every one of these GMs that interview, and this is an important point, every GM, just like a coach, when I went in an interview for head coaching jobs, uh, whether it was here, the Dolphins, wherever, I knew who my offensive coordinator was going to be. I knew with the Dolphins I was going to hire Chan Gailey, and I knew who I was going to hire as my defensive coordinator, Jim Bates, out of the Cowboys. So I had a plan. Well, when they interview GMs, guess what? It's the same thing. Who's your that, coach? That yeah. GM has a coach in mind, or two or three, and now all of a sudden he's going in where the coach is already there. It might work. It might work. It might not. But the first time that there's a crack in the armor – all of a sudden, is that guy thinking, well, my guy would have been better? You know, that's the only thing that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. With. Unless the coach has a say in who the GM is, if it's a high profile. Well, that's oh, what I was going to say. Because yeah. if, oh, yeah. if we're talking about Jim Harbaugh here with his history of what happened in San Francisco, you probably want to hire him first to make sure whoever you hire as the GM is compatible. And he probably deserves that say. That being said, with the structure being what George explained, if you have any type of power struggle there, yeah. who's overseeing that? I mean, that just muddies the waters even more. This whole head coaching thing with the Bears, again, what I'm going to ask you, Cap, is we keep hearing this whole thing about the head coaches. I want to hear the general managers. Yeah. I want to hear that list. Ed Dodds is uh, a guy who's turned down multiple interview requests from different teams over the last few years. And some say he's one of the best in the industry to take the next step. And the Bears have requested an interview with I'll that. tell you the guy I like is Morocco Brown from Indy. Morocco Mole? Yeah. Yes, exactly. He's underneath Ed Dodds on their flow chart. He's got a lot of Yurko in him, if you've ever oh, uh, seen. He? Yeah, he's got like oh, the quick he's wit. Chin? He's got the quick wit, and he's, he's not afraid to speak no. his mind. He for the Bears. He did when he's he was young. A, does he got a flat head? He doesn't have a flat head. When I say he's got a little yurk on him, that he's got your like, personality. Oh, well, he's got to be he's great. He's got then. your, like, he's not afraid to call this guys guy. out. And he's uh, got the quick wit. I like him already. So let me ask you a question. From what I heard, uh, Ballard loves him. Like, absolutely adores him. Okay, and so, so if Ballard likes him. Let me ask you, as I painted this picture to my partner. I like this. So Ballard... When he met with George, they were going to give him the job. And he said, I'm releasing right, Jay yeah. Cutler tomorrow. And I'm not reporting to Ted Phillips. Ted Phillips is out. He cannot have no anything to do with football. Uh, those two are non-starters yeah, no, yeah. for us, Chris. Okay, ya. good. See you. And he left. And then he gets the Colts job. So now, if you're going to get permission to talk to Eberflus, the D.C., yeah, DC. who a lot of people really hold in high regard, they said he's very much um, intense. He holds people accountable. And players love playing for him. And you're going to talk to Morocco Brown or Ed Dodds. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that 
Ted is pushed to the side because they're going to get these indie guys, and Ballard wouldn't let them go if they had to report to that guy. Yeah, I think they've learned. Maybe they're. I don't know. I don't know if they've learned their lesson because they're. They're. Yesterday was stunning to me, quite frankly. Were so maybe they haven't learned. Were you surprised? Yes, I was. I don't know why, but I was. Maybe they haven't learned their lesson. But it does seem like Ted will no longer. Look, nobody's reporting to Ted and football operations mommy, anymore. Mommy is, said I do a good job, which is good. Hello, mommy. So, they're casting a wide net. Mom said he does a nice job. I'm very, very disappointed. I, I believe him. His passion was again palpable through uh, my ears. I've got the you know the headset on, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he was <laughs> the uh, the old school disposition of him came through and he's like you know if he said that to my face i'd fuck him up so i don't think he'd have all that passion if he were lying uh so i definitely believe him after hearing that and i just think again my opinion when i saw that was like man george doesn't like olin and i had no reason to think that other than his uh, approach during the press conference and now we know that that's true based upon the fact that olin said that they shouted at each other and stuff so yeah, so I, I think that that was, again, George just doesn't fucking like Olin, and, and it's mutual. So. Right. In my interactions with Greg Gabriel, he's shared a couple of stories about Olin Krutz. And um, Olin, I'll give you one example. Uh, Olin is working out in the weight room with his teammates, and Greg Gabriel, who was an employee of the Chicago Bears, he was the head of college scouting. He goes into the weight room to work out, and Olin says, get the fuck out of my weight room. Get the fuck out of here. And Greg is laughing it off, and Olin goes over and turns off the lights. Get the fuck out of my weight room. That is Olin Krutz. Very territorial, very confrontational, and we all know the story about what he did to Fred Miller. They were all out (laughs) – I don't know if I should share this part of it because I'm not sure this ever came out, but they went to an FBI shooting uh, uh, place. What is it when you go practice? Like a range? Yeah, shooting range. And that's where they got into the argument. And Olin fucking knocked out Fred Miller, who was bigger than him, knocked his ass out. And because of that, Greg tells me, and Greg is probably going to get pissed off if he hears this, but Greg tells me that since that day, the FBI is not allowed to bring in guests into their shooting range because of that confrontation. I mean, Fred Miller had to be taken to the hospital. That's how fucking hard Olin Krutz hit him. And Olin Krutz weighing about 50 pounds less and three or four inches shorter. But Olin Krutz is a bad motherfucker. You don't want to get on his bad side. And what I'm uh, what I'm hearing about that story at the ticket office is that that linebacker I'm not sure who it is I'm trying to find out who that linebacker is that went into the ticket office without his shirt on, and George lost his temper. Get the fuck out of here and so forth. Whoa, Olin was there. <laughs> you got to believe that that was an ugly confrontation between George McCaskey and Olin Krutz. So yeah, there's bad blood there, and perhaps that clouded George McCaskey's memory or not memory, but uh, approach to handling that question of about the $15. He should have just avoided the the whole fucking thing. I will say this as a fan. I liked Cruz, of course, 
but in my life, the people I've met with that kind, the like the story you just said, the people that are very confrontational mm -hmm. are the ones that I dislike the most in my, in my personal life. So uh, not trying to, again, defend George McCaskey. Mm -hmm. Once more, I don't want to seem like his apologist here. I'm just saying I'm very happy Nagy's gone. So mm -hmm. uh, the rest of everything else seems superfluous to me. Uh, fuck, who cares? You know, uh, he's gone. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would hate a guy like that that just constantly wanted to fucking get in your face just because he had to throw his dick around. And those are the, like the worst people I've ever met. So in my opinion, so I would, I could get why someone would like that dude. But as a fan, I loved him. Yeah, I loved him as a player. You know, oh and I, again, it was just her center for basically a decade. Yeah. See, I, I like guys like Olin. You know, I don't I, obviously I don't like the physical part, but I, I, I like guys like Olin who will basically tell you, you know, you're out of line here, dude. And, you know, now I've never seen Olin in that in an angry state, you know, and so perhaps he's way out of line. But I do appreciate anybody that has the guts, the nuts, the balls to confront uh, people in power and tell them, dude, you know, you're out of line. But I want to I want to highlight there were so many great comments during the media thing. Yeah, I, I love the edit. Let me praise that before you oh, get into it. You. I loved your edit. I loved how it started out with, OK, we don't know, you know, with Schefter, we don't know about pace. He's going to stay. Mm -hmm. Then you hear Jalen Johnson. Then you hey, we got breaking news. I like that. It, again, it's like this is the way it was. Yeah. Well, when we were there live. So anyway, go ahead. I wanted to praise well, your work. On that. And you just reminded me, I want to do, I want to do like a retrospective of Nagy's last season week by week by week by week. And so I want to figure out a way to do it where you and I do it together and do like a mini documentary, you know, a 30 minute documentary and, and you're voicing it with your recollection of stuff. And I'll put sound bites in after the game and stuff. So that's, that's a little project we'll have for the off season as we look back at the 2021 season. But uh, there were great uh, chat comments during the media stuff. I want to address a few of them. Jay Sanders says, Polian will recommend guys he owes favors to. And that's a very, very observant, obs observant observation, a very salient point. Word I hope is, he owes Jim Harbaugh or something. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of, is that he's going to think that Harbaugh is too controlling and, uh, you know, almost like, you, you know, and, and I, I believe that McCaskey will feel that way too. You know, there's that, that thing in the McCaskey a bloodline where they don't like the Ditka types, and that's what Harbaugh is. They don't like those Olin Krutz types. And that's where well, Harbaugh Maybe is. he liked Jim, though. You never know. I maybe. hope so. I yeah. hope so, because I'm starting he to He wasn't warm. even on the list for interviews. They've disseminated a list of oh, candidates, of and there was no Harbaugh. Yeah, speaking of that, I'm going to scroll on the bottom of the screen. All of the confirmed coaching candidates that the Bears have reached out to, and this list is, is courtesy of the fine work by of Alyssa Barbieri over at BearsWire.com. But I wanted to say about Jay Sanders is that um, he is really good friends with Brian DeBall, the offensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills, who is on this list of people they're going to interview. They have a connection that goes back years and years and years. So don't be surprised if the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills is the new head coach 
of the Chicago Bears, which is part of the reason. And and I love what Dave Wanstad said about the whole general manager, coach. You know, you should hire the GM first. So that way that you know that there's a marriage between coach and GM. If they bring in Brian Dable, they're just going to have a hard time finding a GM who's an independent thinker because they're going to think, yeah, that, well, the head coach was got here before me. It's a fucking mess. They can't do that. They can't do that. And so I don't want Brian Dayball. If Brian Dayball is 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 the right candidate, that's fine. But the GM should come first. There should be that 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 uh, checks and balance of the GM saying, yeah, I like this coach. I can work with him for the next five years and bring you some Super Bowls as opposed to the other way around. So I don't know. What do you think about that? I, for a guy like Harbaugh, if they were going to hire Jim, I would say it's cool to hire Jim first because he has one of those personalities like it, like an Olin Krutz. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily in terms of they both want to fight you, but just divisive. And a lot of people uh, get rubbed the wrong way. So, and again, I'm a fan of Jim. I liked him as a player as well. Um, at the time, I was definitely much more like, we got to get Harbaugh in there over Tom Zach, like, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, so my point being, like, he's abrasive. Mm-hmm. So maybe you would want to have him in place and see who could work with him. But all things equal, if it's a guy that's never had an opportunity, like the gentleman in Buffalo, then, yeah, go ahead and hire the GM and let make sure the GM likes the guy. Because Harbaugh, you're kind of capitulating to his, his, uh, his attitude mm-hmm. or his demeanor. But this this guy, it's never been a coach, man. You don't have to capitulate to him. Like he hasn't earned that capitulation. So, in my opinion, if it's a special interest, then yeah, go ahead and hire Harbaugh first. But all things equal, go with the GM. One more thing, I did want to praise uh, McCaskey on, and then I'll just be the minority praising it because he deserves a lot of jeers. Let me say that a lot of jeers, but I thought the media was pressing him. And it's like, I kept thinking, what do you want him to say uh, about uh, Justin Fields? He can't come out and say publicly, oh, the next GM has to take Justin as our quarterback. He can't say that. Like, get off of him. Like, he's avoided the questioning four times and they kept coming back to it. Why can't he say that? Because then you're limiting your GM search. I mean, what if... If it's a GM that he liked, let's say you're my GM candidate. I like Aldo Gandia, but I've already publicly said he's got to have Justin Fields. And let's say you have the attitude like Mike North toward Fields. You're like, fuck it. I'm not even going to that interview in Chicago. But on the flip side, if you don't know that, maybe we sit down as gentlemen, we're talking, and I I sell you on Fields over the course of our eight-hour discussion. Mm-hmm. And say, like, look at this tape. Like, maybe you didn't see this play. See, I, like, th- th- this could be your guy. See, I, I think, and th- you're making great points because I'm not a hundred percent married to Justin Fields. If you know, if you can point out to me, here are the problems with Justin Fields and why I think it's going to take a long time and maybe never for him to develop into a true Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady caliber quarterback. Is you know he's got the long wind, he's got the long uh, wind up. He's got and, and they point out all of these things on tape that will offer caution. But George McCaskey should have said, "We want a general manager and a head coach that can turn all of our players, including Justin Fields, 
from stars to superstars. Something like that. But for him to avoid the question is again, and you know, you were you were commending him for his transparency on some certain things, but to me that it just sounded to to me like you know he he gives David Montgomery and Roquan Smith props at the top, but he doesn't say anything nice about Justin Fields, and in fact, never even mentions his name in an hour long. No, no, he up. said he was a fan of him. He said as a as a fan, you know, I like Justin. He said that. Right. He said, okay, so I'm wrong there, but I just felt like he could have phrased things a little bit differently to, to, I think he's just trying to just, you know, keep all options on the table in that scenario, because you don't, like I said, you don't want to handcuff the search, but maybe, maybe I'm just putting my own thoughts onto it and that's not accurate. It's just a, just a thought, right? Again, maybe you're right. Maybe you should have just said, yes, we're behind our quarterback, but when they did that with Cutler, as you heard in the piece, <laughs> uh, it pissed people off. Right. And if Mike North, for example, and again, I like Mike. I listen to his show. I've, I, I make no bones about it. I'm a fan of his work. Um, but as you, you all were talking yesterday when I was listening, uh, he he's no fan of Fields. I mean, I knew that before, but not to that extent. Mm-hmm. So if if a guy like Mike was taking the gig, he's not even going to consider it because he wants fields gone. But that leads to my question. It's something you said a second ago. Uh, I don't know if you meant it from Aldo Gandia, the fan, or if you meant it as like you as a hypothetical general manager, are you saying to me, like, let's rewind that you're okay. If fields is traded, was that what you were saying? Yeah, Before I am. If you bring in a general manager and a head coach, uh, who make the very, very convincing argument that we can win quicker by trading Justin Fields for, I don't know, a more established quarterback, a quarterback who is, you know, you know, let's say Russell Wilson. But yeah, I, I wouldn't want that trade because of the money involved Mm-mm. in Russell Wilson and stuff. But, uh, and but Russell's a, old. Yeah, exactly. But a, a more accomplished quarterback that can jumpstart this offense. Now, I think Justin Fields – there's a very, very good chance that he's just going to be a superstar quarterback. But I would listen to a GM who's saying, I've got a trade proposal here that I think is best for the organization. And by trading Justin Fields, we get in return, blah, 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 blah. Then then, then I would be good with that. Now, Ryan in, in the uh, chat say, would you trade Deshaun Watson for Justin Fields? I would not because of the baggage that comes with Deshaun Watson. There's just all of these accusations. Almost three dozen women have said that he has sexually molested uh, these women. And and that's something you just don't want to touch. Um, it, I still can't believe the Texans didn't play him the whole season. I know it's, but you know, it's, it's, a, he's wasting away. It's hard to come back. We saw that with Eddie Goldman. Yeah. Like if you take a year off, like you, that's hard to come back. Unless you're a phenomenal athlete, because you know, it's happened before, like like a Randall Cunningham or somebody gets hurt week one and they're out the whole year and they come back and they flourish, uh, you know. But it's hard to miss a whole year and come back and be the player you were before. Do you remember uh, Baltimore Ravens running back Jamal Lewis? Sure. He went to jail. I forgot what in the offseason, though. He went to jail in the offseason. Yeah, but like three or four months, uh, maybe six months in, in, in jail. And when he came back, he was a shadow of the player that he that he was. I always uh, uh, speculated that he probably got fucked in the ass. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, wow. <laughs> during <laughs> Dan sends me a text message saying porn star Jenna Jameson can't walk anymore. And so I responded back by saying, because she still sucked thick. Anyway, <laughs> I will wheel her around for a blowjob. <laughs> Jamal Lewis is in the chat room, by the way. Not you, Jamal Lewis. Uh, Jimith wrote something and i boy this guy should be a writer george is wholly unqualified to sit atop an nfl franchise franchise he's incompetent petulant and clearly entitled this team has floundered for 30 plus years and it won't change until new ownership jimith if i had awards for the best written chat comment i think you'd come in number one brother well that is a good i was about to say good tweet it's a good comment I, I hope that it, he is proven to be wrong. <laughs> Me too. But right, but right now, I could see why he feels that way. But I just want to backtrack one more second and say, in my opinion, I do not want Fields traded. I do not want. I want him starting Week One for us against whomever that may be. I, I mean, like all the praise you have for him, and all the praise that everyone felt when he was drafted. You know, like yeah. and the adulation uh, that, that we felt. If we trade this kid, he's going to be a fucking baller wherever else he goes. And it's going to be like, oh, my God, the Chicago Bears traded uh, you know, Justin Fields. They had him in their building. Like, no, don't, don't I don't want that narrative. Yeah, I, like, I, I, we I'm trade him. You. It'll be like the Red Sox trading Babe Ruth. I'm, I'm with you. I'm the type of guy that if you draft somebody, I want to, you know, give the guy a real fair chance to uh, succeed or fail. Um, and with Justin Fields, as with any quarterback that you acquire, you got to give him great protection and weapons. By the way, PJ in the chat says, Polian probably thinks that Justin Fields should be a wide receiver. And of course, he's referring. He's talking about the, uh, yeah, the Baltimore thing. Yeah. So that's the concern about Bill Polian is that he may be, be antiquated in his thoughts about what certain athletes can and cannot do. Some of this old style thinking that prevented quarterbacks uh, black quarterbacks from giving it getting an opportunity to quarterback a team simply because of the color of their complexion now bill pullian has apologized and, and admitted that he was wrong about lamar jackson and i don't know of any other instances where he has made these racially questionable comments uh so i'm hoping that's not the case yeah, but I don't know if that's fair. I mean, it's just his – like, I don't think uh, Jackson is a great passer either. I think he's more of an athlete versus that. And, and I know in today's game that's a different, you know, thing that you can win like that. But like Greg Gabriel said on this very show uh, with you yesterday, he's like, who gives a fuck? Sometimes people are wrong. Yeah. That doesn't mean there was some deep-seated resentment or hatred toward a black man or something. He just thought he wasn't going to be a good quarterback. You're absolutely I, right. But it's just when you see some of these fossils, you know, <laughs> Bill Polian, I mean, his face looks like my butthole. You know, so many I know, I know he's old, but <laughs> and I know kidding. some people will say, oh, well, he had Pete Manning. That's how he was successful. But he had a good run in Buffalo. Yes, he did. We got a question during the uh, media segment. There was a lot of chatter in the chat room about, you know, coaches disagreeing with each other. And the factor said, uh, wrote, Dan and Aldo, can you remember what made 
Ditka, Buddy Ryan, good coaches, did they micromanage? My memory of this is that Ditka stayed completely out of the Buddy Ryan uh, defensive coordinator room, and the only time he disagreed, at least publicly, that I can recall. The Miami game. Exactly. You remember that better than me. Yeah, he had Wilbur getting uh, beaten in the nickel. Wilbur Marshall, right. Yeah, he was like Marino's you know, release was too quick. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get to him, kind of like the problems we have in, in current football with like Rodgers or somebody else that, you know, mm-hmm. the release is just epically fast. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't sack Marino. So if you're going to do that, then you better have someone in the secondary that's like, like Wilbur's not really a cover guy. He's like, go fucking hit the quarterback kind of guy. Mm-hmm. It'd be like today if we're just getting like pounded by, you know, Rodgers on the slant and the slant and the slant and the slant. And we we expect Khalil Mack to, to go back there and guard a receiver. You know, you, you can't have Wilbur or Mark Duper which is what Ditka was saying. And Buddy basically told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> and as 4,000 Clovers points out, Ditka was actually right at that moment. He was. <laughs> he was. He was. Totally right. Was. And it was kudos to the Miami Dolphins because they figured out the way to beat the 46 defense. Which is scary, man. If they'd have beaten the Patriots in a championship game, could it? Could they have done it again? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, J-Rock asks, Aldo, who said that uh, Flores micromanages? Uh, It's coming from a couple of different sources. I actually tweeted out one of them. uh, Jeff Darlington, who is a reporter for ESPN, said that his sources down in Miami have said that uh, 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 Brian Flores, the uh, recently fired head coach of the Miami Dolphins, has a tendency of micromanaging and that's why he got into arguments with some of the assistant coaches on the staff. And there were some moves done during the season where coaches were fired. He also apparently had issues with Tua Tagovailoa. I don't know if I said that name correctly, but <laughs> that's um, a difficult one. It really is. And, um, and, and so it seems like his, because he's such an intense Jim Harbaugh, Mike Ditka type, it seems that sometimes he clashes with coaches and players, and that may, may not make him a, a great head coach candidate. But I, why do you think he was hired anyway? Just because of his Belichick connection? Like, what got him the gig? Do we know that? Like, what, was there a great interview? Did anyone ever say what was like? Because it was a, a long shot hire at the time. Mm-hmm. And I asked that question because I'm trying to like put him at Soldier Field as the Bears coach. Is this a guy we want? Because attitude does feel like, oh, that matches what we want. But I wonder why he was hired in the first place. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have been, but what what is his strength? You're talking, is about, what I'm trying you're to talking about Flores, right? Right, right. What's his strength? Outstanding. He, he was a low-level staff member, right? It's not like he was the coordinator. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'll be uh, uh, But my recollection, recollection of why he was uh, – a, uh, a desired candidate was because of his defensive prowess, his ability to turn a defense and fire up players and so forth. So that's what I think now, you know, so it was a bold hire at the time is what I'm saying for the dolphins. Well, yeah, just like Sean McVay was uh, just like oh, yeah, Matt, right. Matt LaFleur, all these young coaches, there's been that trend now is to not recycle veteran coaches and to bring in some of these young 
a progressive style thinkers and and the thinking was by some people at Hal saw was that Matt Nagy kind of filled that bill but they failed to look a little closer this guy was just pretending to be a offensive innovator and when you look closely at the six games that he calls play he called plays for for the Kansas City Chiefs there weren't all positive results and uh, and Greg Gabriel likes to say you know, if you want to run the Andy Reid offense, then hire Andy Reid. You know, and and that's why I don't want the enemy. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't I, want Kansas City light anymore. Yeah, I don't think that you can hire anyone from the Kansas City organization either at the GM position or the coaching position. You need to stay away from that. There has to be other. Candidates. I don't even think it's Andy Reid. I think it's Mahomes. Mahomes is the reason that they've got a ring. It's not because of Andy. Wow, that's the first nice thing you've ever said about Patrick Mahomes, my guy. <laughs> no, I, I'm not a fan, but there's no denying his success. Mm-hmm. I still think if he wasn't on a bomb squad, the the Buccaneers proved how you can beat him. Yeah. He would be a turnover machine, and at some point he's going to be like that. He's going to be like Brett Favre throwing dumb interceptions. You're like, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, fuck, he's going to – I bet you he leads the league in interceptions at some point. He's going to have like a 25, like a Vinny, Test, Vinny Testaverde one year in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Early on, like 88 through like 35 picks. I bet you Mahomes has something like 25, 30 at some point when he's not on a stacked team. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that just because he takes so many chances with the ball. Jamal Lewis, the one that has never been to jail, I'm assuming Jamal. Uh, never right. been fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Writes uh, that Flores wanted Justin Herbert, the owner, wanted Tua Tagavialoa. So that probably started the uh, rift there uh, because clearly well, Justin was much, much uh, better, is a much better quarterback. To give Flores credit, though, they, you know, they were like, what? six and one or something with uh, Fitzpatrick and he put Tua in. So it's like he inserted him to try to win with Tua. So it's not like he just said, I don't like this guy. Let's keep him on the bench. Do you think that he did that? Or do you think that the um, uh, management kind of insisted, Hey, we got this big investment in Tua. Let's get him some playing time. Who knows, right? Uh, Yeah. I guess we'll never know that. Let me, let me interrupt you. Uh, I got a great great question because I don't want to forget it. Jeremy says I'm watching the bears versus Rams 1989 week seven Harbaugh takes over for Tom Zach. Anyone know who wins the game? Come on, Dan, you got to know this. I'm thinking. Uh, 89. We started four and oh, week seven. And I'm I, gonna say we lost this game. All right, so Jeremy, I if, don't remember. Now, keep in mind, I didn't have Sunday ticket in '89 either, mm-hmm. so I didn't get to see every game back then. Uh, so I chances are I didn't see that game, but I know we started four and oh and then went on a, a tailspin. So there's a chance we lost that one, by the way. Um, my wife has just texted me and saying that she took the dog out for a walk and she spotted some skunks in the neighborhood so that's good news for me because now i can light up a marijuana cigarette you can't tell the difference. <laughs> i thought you were gonna tell me your wife texted you and said she remembered exactly the 89 game and the bears won what you know i was like wow she's, okay. she's my wife is such a sweetheart she's trying to get into football you know and but the thing is is I'm so tired all the time that I get irritable and so she's asking questions and I'm like what the fuck 
leave me alone. <laughs> leave me to my thoughts. And that's a first down. You get four tries. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, I think it is time. It what is, was the outcome of the game, though? I don't know. He hasn't responded yet. I think he wanted to know. I don't. I, I, oh, wait a minute. Jim Everett threw a couple of picks. Harbaugh came in, uh, came on for Tom Zach. So Everett threw a couple of picks. Skunks are all over the place. That is so c- correct. And Foster covers, uh, has the answer. The Chicago Bears won. Jimmy Harbaugh to the rescue. Well, I got a good Harbaugh question for you. Mm-hmm. To anybody, uh, Jim Harbaugh in 1987, when he was drafted by the Bears, mm-hmm. uh, his initial number was not number four because Steve Fuller was number four. Right. Can anyone tell me Jim Harbaugh's number his rookie year with the Bears? Was it number eight? That is incorrect. Oh, okay. Well, then I don't know. Uh, anyone care to guess? If you guess correctly, uh, we don't have any prizes to give up. But once we do, I'll, I'll send you something. <laughs> uh, um, all right. I think it is time to bring in uh, the man. He was 14. Number 14, Jim Harbaugh. I was hoping that you would uh, – Oh, we got guesses. Foster said number six. Mule said number nine. Jay Sanders, number five. Vince said one. And Jeremy Four said number 14. He is correct. There you go. So we're bringing in Tooch, right? It is time to bring in the Tooch. And every time we bring in the Tooch, it's it's a great moment in the show because I get the opportunity to take a five-minute break. Hey, don't forget, at some point before I leave, we got to argue about Dexter. Yes. I'm going to tease that right now. For the last 15, 20 minutes of the show, when, when Dan's here, maybe uh, uh, Tucci and I can go a little later, but we're going to talk about Dexter and the season finale. So I know some people don't like spoilers or, or whatever. We're trying to make the show as interesting as possible for people who don't give a fuck. But I, I, I have to talk to my man, Dan, about this uh, season finale of Dexter New Blood. So uh, we will uh, do that a little later. Let's bring in my man, Johnny Santucci. How are you, brother? I heard there was some Bears news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah about some old guy is now making decisions, and it's not George McCaskey. <laughs> oh, are you going to go uh, uh, relieve uh, the uh, the plumbing system? I am going to do that. I'll be back in five minutes. You guys talk about whatever you want. Just don't talk about me behind uh, my back. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait till you get back for uh, Bear's state of affairs. Then. Okay. Great. Thank you. All right. <laughs> are we bringing Zimmerman in at some point? I can text Zimmy. He said he wanted on. Ah, we're gonna bring ask Aldo if we're gonna bring Zimmerman in. And send them the invite, Tooch. Do right. you know how to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thanks. I will send him the invite. And let me see. Hopefully it works. A lot of times when I send these invites, StreamYard does not like the uh the link that I give. It's weird. It could send people to, you know, a 404 error page. But, uh, all right, hold on one second. Let me give this to Zimmy Zim Zim. Uh, Danny, that was uh, another weird press conference, I got to tell you. I agree. I, I wasn't defend Like, I, I came across as just defending George the whole time earlier. But I didn't mean to, like, in the sense that, you know, I admit the press conference wasn't a victory. 
Uh, but like, I, like my, again, my overarching theme was like, there are a lot of teams that have to hire new coaches and when the bears are not, it's not unique to the bears and a lot of teams get it wrong over and over and over. So we can't just sit here and suck each other's dicks and like, Oh, what are we going to do? There's a chance he'll get it right. There's a chance. I mean, every, there are a lot of teams that never like Detroit's never even been to the Super Bowl, you know, so it, we're not the only team in misery. So it's tough, man. And, and uh, so maybe they, they can get this right. I hope they do. But it's like, I, I kept seeing people saying they're going to change teams. I mean, God damn, man. Either you're either in or you're not, you know, I, I will. I don't think it's possible for me to change teams. You know, I've been a Bears fan since I was six years old. So I mean, right. I'll be 54 this year. So I mean, that's that's too much of my life invested in one team. So, uh, right. I mean, wouldn't it just feel awkward? <clears throat> Seriously, what if all of a sudden, you know, you just said, ah, fuck it, I'm going to be a, a Minnesota fan because they're on cable <laughs> in Iowa a lot, right? Yes. Yeah, a lot of Vikings fans here. Easy for me to follow the Vikings. I mean, wouldn't that just feel like just like you're in a Twilight Zone episode? Yeah, we, we usually either get Vikings games in the noon slot in Iowa and Chiefs games in the afternoon slot. And then if occasionally we'll get Bears or uh, a Bears game because, you know, Des Moines five hours from Chicago. But uh, I was if you were with another team. Yeah, I couldn't do it. It'd be impossible. But, you know, uh, that last January, you know, was this, you know, uh, different Chicago media attacking Bears ownership and asking questions that the fans want to have asked that, you know, <laughs> I wish I was partaking in that. <laughs> uh, yes, all those rolling a spliff. <laughs> uh yeah I, and then this, this press conference man you had david Haw and mark potash uh you know launching grenades and, and I, I i don't know why george mccaskey wasn't prepared this time because you know he faced a similar onslaught last january you know when, when they decided they were retaining you know pace and Nagy for one last hurrah you know for all once once more into the breach you know but this uh, this year, I mean, if if there was any doubt that George McCaskey wasn't media savvy, it was it's completely gone now. The the dude just he's he lives on a different planet, you know. He's you know, just as long as we win, I don't give a fuck. Like, hopefully he'll get this right. I don't think it's totally out of the realm for him to succeed. And let's go, man. This is our team. None well, of them are tired of this change. Oh, I'm gonna quit watching. I'm gonna I'm gonna change teams. Bullshit. Like, well, go ahead. Fuck you. During like, the, the still here. <laughs> during one of those clips, it was like, well, you know, maybe the next GM will teach George about you know football and being a GM and stuff like that and the football side of operation. But like, man, that GM could just be like, hey, you know, George, four and twelve. You know, you know how hard it is to win four games? I think we did pretty good. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know if you remember a show called uh, Black Adder. Do you remember that show? It used to be on TV. Uh, with uh, the guy who played Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson, and the, the aristocracy. Really 
the aristocracy, the kings, you know, the royalty of Britain were uh, portrayed as complete idiots, you know, clueless, uh, perverted. <laughs> Just uh, that's what I. That's the impression I get from. From uh, not perverted with McCaskey, I just he's just out of touch. This is someone who was raised with you know million millions of dollars, a million dollar bank account probably when he was fourteen years old. You know, without having to socialize with you know the common man, the raffle, the rabble, you know the the the, the average Joe. You know and. Just Look, at the of end of the day, though, once more, I, I just feel like I have to say this. At the end of the day, Nagy and Pace are gone. And I know you're like, but, 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 I mean, but that's a huge, that's a huge point that we didn't think was possible. It felt like a dream, like a pipe dream. And they, he made the right move. He made the right move. Like, yeah. he, like he, he said a couple times in press conference, I'm not going to win anyone over with this yet. We have to get the right people in in play. I understand that, but he made so, the right move so far. I don't want to, like, have you think that this is any kind of, you know, uh, uh, a j jab at you, but George McCaskey, you know, pointed out that the, the records with, you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were, you know, subpar. You know, we didn't beat the good teams. We, you know, beat the teams we should have. You know, forty-eight and sixty-five record under Ryan. George McCaskey forgets that he oversees everything, and the, that record is his too. He shares that record. You know, but he's the owner. He's not. I know. Owner. I I understand that as well. But at some point, if you aren't doing the job, you can sort of step back and let someone come in who can do the job. And that's the point I think that fans are are making. Yes, he's the owner. He doesn't have to go. I and mean, he can still own the team. You need to hire someone that is a football person that's going to grade your GM, grade your head coach, and fire them. Not let George McCaskey or Ted Phillips. That This is the disconnect here with, with fans that, you know, I used to be, I'm like, Ted Phillips doesn't have anything to do with football stuff. He's just an accountant. But I was wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> George and Ted are guys that are ultimately firing and hiring people, you know, and they don't know football. They, they admit that they don't know football. So, uh, didn't you think it was weird not to change the subject? Cause you're, again, everything you just said could prove to be right and I could be wrong. And, and, and I'm open right. to that. So I'm not disagreeing with you, but, and I'm, I'm just changing the subject cause it just popped to my head. Cause you mentioned Ted, one of the weird components of the press conference I thought was, how many like, questions were wasted about the stadium? Like that wasn't the place to talk about the stadium. I didn't think you could talk about that some other time. We've got the headline here is that we, we have fired a general manager and we've fired a head coach. Well, I think that George, this was his first time speaking in a year. So I think that it, reporters really couldn't help themselves. They had to ask about the stadium since, you know, it, it, it was big news back when it was announced that the, uh, Bears purchase and uh, the option to buy the Arlington Park property, and it also, uh, uh, you know, is, is tied into the fact that if the Bears were to sell, which is what everyone wants, uh, 
purchasing this property, building a stadium, building a fan experience, maybe hotels, casinos, restaurants, shopping, all sorts of stuff on this giant parcel that has a Metro train stop. It's got everything. And then sell the team because the team would be worth probably five times as much as it's worth now. That's why they had to ask the question because it is, you know, it it is a a, a component of the future. Yeah. There were a lot of questions about it, though. That's why I kept thinking when when I was watching, I was like, okay, get back to the other shit. Yeah. All those back, everything come out okay, Aldo? Can you hear me? Yeah. No, now we can't. Are you are you talking? Testing one two. Are you? I, th- I can't hear you. Excellent. There can, you are. Yep. I'm sorry. Say again. About. Did questions. you think that there was too many questions <laughs> about the stadium during the press conference yesterday? No, I don't. Um, I thought. Yeah, so I said too. Yeah, I thought I thought it was an adequate amount. You know, they have not met with the media. They being Ted Phillips and mm-hmm. George McCaskey since plans since the news came out uh, that they have put in the bid to purchase, and this was back in September. So they hadn't addressed any questions at all from the media. So if anything, yeah, I could have thought of another two or three questions. Uh, I could have too. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys think that they're gonna fuck this up too? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to pay a $200 for a ticket and there's going to be no toilets or long lines to toilets <laughs> and warm beer and shit like that. I've always maintained that they have to get the stadium built there because the value of the franchise will increase exponentially. You know, yeah, if, yeah. if they're ever going to sell, and, and I'll tell you, the board of directors of all these old cronies who are interested in the bottom line and the, how much dollars are coming in, if they don't want this Arlington Park thing to go through, they they are they're dumber than George McCaskey. <laughs> well, that could uh, <laughs> <what> happen. <laughs> By the way, uh, I had a successful trip uh, to the washroom, and did I wipe anything? Yeah, yeah. I, I took a piss. Everything I, came I out okay. <laughs> uh, I, no snakes, Isaiah. <laughs> I, I, that problem must be cured for at least a I love couple of weeks. Story. <laughs> um, uh. but, I did run out and do a one hitter, so I got a nice buzz going on. So uh, don't worry right. by uh, showing me any naked pictures of John Santucci. <laughs> nope. We're gonna. How about a little bear state of affairs? I got some material. Yeah. All right. All right. Pal Tooch. Oh, your pal Tooch is ready here. The future of the Chicago Bears is in the hands of fan favorites, George and Ted, as well as a group of people that includes a near octogenarian, a diversity and inclusion specialist, and some guy named Soup. (laughs) We're in great hands. Although, you know, I I was able to find a picture of Soup Campbell leaving a Leaving yeah, house hall. I posted that. Uh, oh, uh, leaving house hall. Maybe it's a different picture than the one I, I posted. There's, on there he is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Dan, he's got a picture of the of a little kid holding a Campbell's suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I told you. Oh, uh, <laughs> go ahead. I don't want to interrupt his state of affairs. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I feel a whole lot of a whole lot better about the Bears coaching and GM. Search now that Soup Campbell is on the job, Aldo. 
Well, you know what, though? I got to tell you, do you mind if I interrupt or, or, or no. you want to continue with your bet? I don't mind at all. Okay. So I, I like the idea that there are now these two different voices uh, in the interview. But as somebody, Tony the Pod Boss, I don't know if he's with us tonight, but as he pointed out, you know, are, are these just token African-American people that are going to be a part of this? We know that, uh, what's her name again? Is it Tanisha Wade? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Uh, 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 Tony, the pod boss, who's African-American, said, you know, there's nothing like uh, 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 putting somebody in that kind of a position when they've just been recently promoted into that diversity position and they have no experience. Now, I don't know if they have no experience. I think it's an offense by the Chicago. Do you know, do you guys know that there's a female scout on the team? I didn't know that until uh, last week's Pass the Mic with Peggy Kaczynski, where she talked with Sam Rappaport. Sam happens to be a woman, and she's a part of, you know, inclusion for women and stuff. She's working with the NFL on that. And during the course of that interview, Peggy and Sam were talking about this woman, an Asian-American woman who is a scout for the Chicago Bears. Who knew? The Bears... With, with some news that they don't want to share with people. What are they afraid of? And as for Tanisha, why not put her on an interview? Why not have her available to podcasters like us so that we can find out what her job is, find out about her qualifications, find out you know why she's on this fast track over at Hallis Hall to make big-time decisions so that we can get kind of a taste as to what's going on in the world of diversity with the Chicago Bears. That's what I text you. I don't mean to interrupt your segment either I, I was listening to lawrence holmes who i am a fan of yeah me too. right yeah lawrence basically i don't want to put words in his mouth but i felt like it was fair to deduce that lawrence was saying that from his perspective he thought the mccaskey was demeaning by continually calling this guy soup campbell and not calling him lamar <laughs> campbell and then i got the impression that he wasn't saying it but he was implying it that McCaskey was a racist. And I think that's, that's a reach, but you know, that's his opinion. Well, you know, and uh, I, I think a lot of people from that generation say racially insensitive or racially ignorant things. They're not racist, but what they're saying, they don't realize that some people can perceive that as racist. And if, if a black person is telling me, yeah, what that person said or what that person did is racist, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, but I, I'm whiter than Casper the Friendly Ghost. So who am I to argue uh, with somebody who, who is a, an actual African-American? So sometimes I have, which hasn't turned out good. But uh, yeah, I, I'd like to listen to that clip from Lawrence Holmes to get a, a better understanding. If, if It was on, uh, you know how they do like the in-between shows? Yeah, the transition. Yeah, yeah. It was on the, okay. the transition after a show going into the next one. On uh, Monday. Was it yesterday Monday? Yeah, yeah, Monday. Tron 91 says that he went to school with a Dan McMahon. <sighs> you know you know anyone from school, your school days, uh, named Tron? Tron 91? <laughs> negative, negative. Uh, what about Tucci's segment here? Let's, yeah, let's all right. No. Well, <clears throat> like all Bears fans, I really thought I'd be happy after the news that Pace and Nagy were fired. But after George McCaskey's bizarre press conference where he scolded fans, called Olin Krutz a liar, told everyone that he has a vote of confidence from his mommy, and basically told the media that nothing is really changing, I feel worse, although 
<laughs> I feel worse. If if there was any doubt that George McCaskey wasn't media savvy, it was completely obli obliterated on Monday. <laughs> True. <laughs> you have and no that's, faith. That's a bare state of affairs, Aldo. <laughs> you have no faith that they're going to get this right? Well, can I be honest here? <laughs> That's what this show is about. It's about bearing your soul. So after you give us the opinion on that, also we want to hear about your first sexual experience. <laughs> let me let me be honest here and say that this whole situation is so bears. It's so bears. It's, it's so it's like George McCassie comes out, shows everyone that he's you know a, a clueless aristocrat, and then uh, uh, tries to tell everyone that they're woke with like on the diversity and inclusion hey look the bears are woke man we got a diversity and inclusion special she's gonna be in on the interview and then we got a guy named soup man don't you love his nickname there we're all gonna be there george ted my mom said I'm, I'm doing a great job everybody said i'm doing a great job you know the board of directors which is all basically his uncles and cousins and yeah. other rich, other rich people. They're all George. There's like seven people in the board of directors, and three or four of them have the last name McCaskey. Right, <laughs> and they're probably they're probably all the board of directors after Monday at least, or maybe even before Monday. They were like, "God damn, glad George's out there, not me." <laughs> Absolutely, and, you know? and we're gonna pay you more. You can be the sacrificial lamb. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All the whippings on our behalf, but. but uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Bears brain trust. I mean, yeah. Bill Polian is almost 80. You know, I, I, is he a Hall of Famer? Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, has he got a lot of contacts in the NFL? Okay, mm -hmm. fine. But does he know football? I guess. You know, what we need is is a, what ideally what the Bears need, I think what fans want mm -hmm. is a former player who's got head coach experience that's going to play hard-nosed Chicago Bears football, run the freaking football in cold weather, mm -hmm. you know, come up with a creative game plan and play tough defense. And that, that to me is Jim Harbaugh, you know? I that's agree so with that. And let me, let me point out too that George Hallis was like, what, like 82 when he hired Ditka? So, right. I mean, you can still be old and make the right move. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that he he doesn't, you know. But you know, uh, uh, 80, 80 years old, you know, even at 50, 50 and sixty, you know, sometimes people lose their train of thought and stuff. I mean, you just have to watch a Joe Biden press conference to know to know it's pos <laughs> possible. Hey, hey, I'm obviously on the opposite aisle of Tooch on that, but he's right. hundred oh, percent right. He's right, and he is so right. Yeah, that guy. Um, well, well, we won't talk politics right now, but some it's, other. I'm not. Way. I'm not saying anything again. No, I'm saying no, but, that's what happens when you get old. Yeah, but I was, you know, Grand, I, I'm not Grandpa sure. Grandpa makes like, a stinky. I'm not sure I like the fate of our country in the hands of a guy who's wheezing when he takes a step to the left and a step to the right. I don't know. I do like it when he gets pissed off and he's just like, come on, man. God damn it. Will you stop? I do like it when he gets pissed off. Come on. We all know he's got to clear everything with Barack before he, said, before he does anything. 
<laughs> yep, that's right. All and, right. <laughs> I want to get to the point of the board of directors with the Chicago Bears because yeah. I actually it's a salient submit, point. Yeah, I, I submitted to Brad Biggs on his Q and A column for the Chicago Tribune, but he never prints my stuff. I think he's it's because. He saw me. He still thinks you're Phil. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So anyway, my question to him is, what would it take for the board of directors to oust uh, George McCaskey as the chairman of the board? Is it a vote? Is is there some process involved? Are you aware of anything that can uh, shine some light on what it would take for George McCaskey to be removed as chairman. And then- we sound like Nixon and Ehrlichman right now. Like, <laughs> what do we do to discredit this man? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except I'm trying to do it the legal way, through the yeah. board of director rules. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, but the, but that is the thing is that, you know, uh, maybe I should call up the how many board of directors there is. But one way to solve the problem is to invite more people on the board. You know, so for instance, if you invite Dan Aguirre, John Santucci, Aldo Gandhi, pretending that we're rich and we're, we're invited into the board, then we could present this diversity of thought. But there are there are a lot of people on that board who know that all of the people on that board know nothing about football. They are all old business people or people who have inherited great wealth. And so what they need are some young entrepreneurs. They need, you know, the people who, who, who go on Shark Tank, you know. Um, they, they just need to get more people on the board of directors so that they can then bring up the question, is George really qualified for this job? Somebody wake up Virginia and, and ask her the question. <laughs> but so, you know, we need that diversity of age uh in the boardroom just as much or more than anything else uh on the football field i'm talking shit right <laughs> no i mean I, I can't disagree at that point but anything that we say uh, what what we want and how the organization should be run i mean we're never going to get to change that though i mean it, like I, I just don't understand and i don't mean this toward you but the people that are, like I said this earlier, just, oh, you know, I'm going to switch teams and I've had enough of this shit, then go. Like, because he's not going anywhere. But he could. There is a possibility. His brother was ousted. Well, not now, well, not now though. He's definitely in power for this season. Yeah, yeah, true. And Bear Truth says that's his point, that the media should have followed up on questions and asked if the board is qualified. So when he's answered that question, are you qualified? You just said you're not an evaluator. You're not a football person. Are you qualified? Well, my mommy said, and everybody else, my brothers and sisters said, they entrusted me with the power. So that's where we needed to follow up. Well, are they qualified? Do we need to look? Does the organization need to look? Here's the thing, you know, every nothing, wins and losses do not matter to this board of directors. What matters is the bottom line. They are they get together not to talk about wins and losses. They get together to talk about are we making money with our merchandising sale, our t-shirts, our hats, our ashtrays, all this fucking shit. What about the next TV contract? Which one of us is going to bring up these points so that we can get this and so forth? How can we profit outside of the socialist profit sharing 
uh, uh, system that the NFL has? How can we make more money on the side that's just ours? All the, that's what they are focused on. And you need some people who know football so that they can say, this matters to your bottom line. The more you win, the more money you make. There's proof of that. Tickets to Super Bowl games, uh, merchandise. You're selling tons and tons of merchandise that says Super Bowl champions, conference champions, what have you. And just pointing out all of these things that perhaps they're not talking about. Well, and if you think they're not looking at bad sa- contracts, sa- wasted salary cap, bad contracts, mm-hmm. you got another thing coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and the fact that Ted Phillips is involved in these interviews doesn't bother me so much because there is that factor uh, that he does have to nego- negotiate the contract with those guys. So yep. you really do want to kind of see how they talk. Does money mean a lot to them? I mean, if they're, if somebody's in an interview and they really hit the, the ball out of the park and then they start talking about money and, and, you know, the guy can kind of clue Ted Phillips in is that maybe, you know, a house, purchasing them a house is more important than another million dollars a year or whatever. He can maybe pick up on stuff like that during the interview. So as long as he doesn't ask questions about, you know, who's going to be your starting quarterback or, you know, are you going to blitz on third down and one and empty on empty? Cause he's, he doesn't know anything about that, but if he is there for the interview to, to look at it from a fiduciary standpoint, if that's even a word, then, then that makes sense to me. I'm leaving now. Everybody's silent. <laughs> I'm just still, again, I don't, I, I'm going back two hours, but I'm just, look, I'm going to use an Aaron Rodgers line. Ooh. Relax. <laughs> I'm relaxed. Relax, man. We got rid of these two guys. Let's be fucking happy. Right. And so there, there's a lot of possibilities that we could get this right because there are right. a lot of good candidates out there. We're happy that they're gone, but we're we're worried that it's going to take luck to get guys who are good with George and Ted running shit. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. They, they got to luck into something. They're not going to do it on their own. You know, it has to be, yeah. oh, they did it by accident. You know, because that's, that's what they are. They're not, they're incompetent at football. I'll take some luck. <laughs> luck is, uh, would be nice. I'm trying to find that video. Here it is. I just found it. Tony the Pod. A boss sent this to me. I'm not sure who produced this. I played it yesterday, so I apologize if you've heard it before. But one of my favorite candidates for the job of general manager, I think Tooch uh, is a he's a favorite of Tooch's too, is Morocco Brown from the Indianapolis Colts. He's the assistant general manager over there, or actually, he's not the assistant general manager. He's the director of college scouting. And people love the way this guy, the results that he delivers on his job and the way that he communicates. And so Tony sent me like this minute, 15, 20 second video of one of the Colts uh, personnel talking about Morocco's ability to communicate in a very colorful way. And so you'll hear both Morocco's colorful uh, descriptions of, of evaluations of players. So check this out. Well, Morocco, he's been doing a long time. He's got ham hog legs, coconut calves. I thought the guy was driving a Rolls Royce. It is kind of an art delivery. 
paint that picture for us. He conducts himself like a lawyer. He's not a goody two-shoe type. He'll sit down and drink a beer with you. Everything's sunshine and rainbows with this guy. We tell our guys, don't read your report. Just tell us, like, you were walking down the hallway and we asked what kind of player he is. He gets his hands on you. He's moving all the furniture in the room. He's a bumblebee that shouldn't be able to fly. He's got a SpongeBob SquarePants guard body. This guy's the ultimate glue guy. He's like a contortionist. He's got Spider-Man hands. He's Captain America. He's seen a lot of players. He has this library of players in his head to compare them to. He'll look like Derek Thomas one play and then look like Dr. Doolittle the next. He's like Vince Carter in basketball. You just throw it up. You can bite into the sauce. Will he fold like a lawn chair under adversity? He's just not sexy at all. We should throw a party. See better hands on a snake. We'll miss him. Morocco, he's been doing a long time. He's got ham hog legs, coconut. We are back on Get Up, and we have breaking news. And for that, we bring in our NFL. He conducts himself like a lord. Nice, goody two shoes. He'll sit down and drink a beer. Sorry about that. He got a little out of control there. But don't you love that? The way he describes the guy's got hands like a snake. Yeah, I love it. I'm evaluating my talent with the Bears. That guy looks like he makes work fun. Yeah, exactly. Makes work fun. Right. Yeah, that's what you want. That's right. No, but maybe no, he, he didn't. Matt Nagy was a phony. <laughs> true, true. Do you really think, Dan, that Matt Nagy was being authentic and really cared about his players the way he made them believe that he did? Yeah, I don't want to defend him, but I, I do think like his weakness was he wanted to be their friend more so than the authority figure. And I get that. It's it's hard to be a dick if it's not your natural disposition. And I praise him for that, trying to not be something he isn't. And, but maybe that strength was also his biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm just writing in the chat room here. Somebody said that Morocco Brown doesn't draft well. Well, I, 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 I can't go to bat completely with him I know on that because I'd have to do a little research. But I do know one thing. He drafted my guy, Quentin Nelson, <laughs> my the, the guard of all guards. I mean, do you remember this? The, both of you guys are probably old enough to remember uh, the Green Bay Packer offensive lineman who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, of course. Uh, he, he had yeah, a good yeah. career with the Colts afterwards, but was a Tony Mandridge. He was Tony a massive Mandridge. bust. Tony right. Mandridge. Incredible <laughs> bulk is what the Sports Illustrated said. Right. Well, and he did not really deserve to be on the cover because the, it, it, he was not that great of a player, at least in his, his first few years. And so Quentin Nelson should have been on the cover of Sports Illustrated because that guy is a special offensive lineman. He came wrapped in Hall of Fame a gift wrap paper. The guy is just great. And, you know, on the old Hunter Proof show, I used to brag about him all the time. And oh, I remember. <laughs> and, I, and I made the case because uh, Shane and I uh, disagreed on that point. I made the case that I would have preferred Quentin Nelson and their second-round uh, draft pick, Darius Leonard, over James Daniels, our second-round draft pick, and Roquan Smith. Now, I love Roquan Smith. I'm on record on that. I actually videotaped myself with my reaction to the Roquan Smith selection. But Leonard and Nelson – Holy shit, man. That's two great players, man. Darius Leonard is a beast. What do they call him? He's got a nickname. You've been watching Hard Knocks, Tooch? I haven't, but uh, I love Darius. Man, Darius Leonard is great. He's, He's every bit as good, if not better, than Roquan. Yeah, I mean, he... He there, you know, he's got a little bit more of that safety body. Uh, Roquan 
is still kind of undersized from the traditional linebacker size. Um, uh, and, and Darius is even thinner. I was at the senior bowl and he was walking around with just a t-shirt and stuff. And I was like thinking, man, this guy's a linebacker. He just seems totally slim. But if you've been watching hard knocks, man, the way that gets guy, the maniac. Thank you, Ryan Billings. That, that is, uh, my, my man, RKB, um, that is this guy hits with ferocity he's got such a fantastic temperament to the game of football he is challenging his teammates he's out there on the field making noise he's taunting as much as he can get away with it taunting the uh, 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 opposing team he is great i love roquan he's a great sideline the sideline he's a uh, a great hitter and stuff but to me that's that's almost equal roquan for darius the big advantage is Quinton Nelson over James Daniels. And, and based on the evidence that I presented at the top of the show about James Daniels' ability with the media to handle Mark Potash questions, I'm very right about that. <laughs> Ed O'Brenovich always says our line can't play dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I didn't listen to any of the half OB show because I wanted to get fresher stuff about uh, the management changes at Hallis, but I, I didn't listen to any of their comments after the game. On w, what is it? They're on WGN Radio, right? Yeah, WGN. Right. Those guys are great. Yeah, I like them too. Uh, Ed's always yelling, get to the callers, Mark. Mm-hmm. Get to the good. And idiots. I know you've got the, the thing saved, right? You got a, <laughs> I think I yeah. a drop for Ed screaming. Yeah. Um, which I, I'm, it's not pertinent anymore. Where is it? Oh, here it is. You morons! <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Uh, I'm going to have to update those and remove the pictures of Nagy and Pace and replace them with Polian and somebody else. <laughs> What what was your immediate reaction though to the news that Bill Polian was officially because it had been kind of leaked out a little bit uh, in the media that they were talking to Polian and Dungey that whether they talked to Dungey at all is probably true. McCaskey would not divulge who else they've been consulting, but um, once you knew officially that Polian was going to be leading this search, what was your immediate yeah. immediate I, reaction? I, my reaction was, Bill Polian's still alive? <laughs> I think a reaction. lot of people reacted that way. I thought he died right after he got that <laughs> Hall of Fame plaque. <laughs> what, what did you think, Dan? Let's just get Harbaugh. That's what I thought. <laughs> Let's Dude, get Harbaugh and think, fucking yeah. God, these two guys are going. One of the great things about guys like Bill Polian, you know, getting a job with the media after their careers are over, after they've been kicked to the curb. So you get, uh, you know, a really good sense of how they think and stuff. And so for what, two, three years, he was on NFL live and some of the other ESPN coverage, Bill Polian. And he didn't strike me as a particularly brilliant guy. Yeah. He had success, but it wasn't, uh, you know, what, 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 what was his best acquisition? Peyton Manning. I mean, how hard is that? Well, he had a 50-50 chance, right? Because who was the other quarterback in that draft? Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf. (laughs) So he really could have fucked that up, yeah. So when he picked Peyton Manning, what he did is also solidify his Hall of Fame induction. (laughs) You know, but I I don't 
you know, Bill Polian to me is not, doesn't have that mystique of a Belichick or a Lombardi. Well, again, he goes back to Buffalo too, and they went to four Super Bowls. So Polian did. Wasn't he with the, the yeah. Buffalo early 90s? Oh, Marv yeah. Levy and Bill Polian. That. Well, that's quite an accomplishment. You can't, I can't deny that. So uh, yeah. I'm underestimating that. Yeah. God, He's just about. old. Yeah, and so am I, apparently. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> all in all, my thesis before, because we, we don't want to run out of time and start arguing about Dexter. Yes, but we got to talk Dexter, yes. I just, again, my thesis is everyone should just take a step back, breathe, and be happy for right now. Right now we got what we wanted. <laughs> Hopefully that will lead to a next the next move, <laughs> something that we want. For me, we, I want to. We tried to do that. <laughs> And then George had a press conference. <laughs> well, shake it off, like shake Aaliyah off. said. You know, dust yourself so. off and get up, try again. So, yep. all right, we got rid of Nagy and Pace, though. That's an accomplishment. We did. Yeah, not. two wins. Uh, Tooch, can you stay a little uh, later? Because, uh, Dan, you're leaving at 10 30 <laughs> in 15 minutes, right? Yeah, that's correct. All right, Tooch, can you, can you stay have, a little I later? I can, yeah. I haven't seen the Dexter finale though, so should I and check you, out? You, for, you need to not listen. Right? You can <laughs> yeah, take a piss. No way, because we're gonna we're gonna yeah. give away some spoilers here. All right, all right. Go right. take a pee. <laughs> Leave your camera on, so so um, I don't have to change the background. Um, all right. So for those who don't know, turned off his camera, and I gotta put up the background. Sorry. For those who don't know about Dexter. Dexter was a Showtime TV series that ran for, I think, seven seasons, um, probably eight. eight eight seasons. What year What year did it first start? Do you recall, Dan? It was like seven through 15 or okay. 14 or whatever. Right. Um, excellent series about a guy who, when he was a child, he witnessed his mom being slaughtered. And so he's crying as a kid. He's crying in a pool of blood. The police officer discovers him adopts him, raises him, and during the course of raising this kid named Dexter, he discovers that this guy likes to kill animals, and this guy has all of the tendencies of a burgeoning serial killer. So what he does is he teaches him a code. He teaches him a code to utilize these urges because his father was a police officer, and so he saw all of these un injustices where people were being released by the legal system and getting away with heinous crimes. And so Dexter was groomed to be kind of a superhero vigilante, and he would gather evidence on these people, and once he was absolutely sure that they did commit crimes and they were uh, they had escaped the 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 justice system he would then execute them he would kill them and then uh uh, uh satiate uh, feed his urges to kill so very successful seven series uh, eight seasons but in that final episode of season 8 the ending uh, according to most people i think well, i would say 90% of the people agree was awful and so they rebooted the series now several years later and the original showrunner of the series for those people who don't know people who are showrunners they're basically the creative force behind the show from week to week from episode to episode the original showrunner was brought in he left after season four and he constructed this entire season so dan why don't you take it from there and let people know the the setting of this season dexter new blood well it was in the heat and 
Florida and everything in the first eight seasons. So you have the harsh uh, juxtaposition from that into the very cold, like upstate New York Canadian border feel. It looks like a goddamn Minnesota Vikings game from 1975. You know, it's constantly snowing and frigid. Uh, there's no sign of sun or anything. It's just cold, cold, cold where he's at in uh, upstate New York. So uh, his son, Harrison, makes an appearance, um, tracks him down, and uh, he's he's been living this life for 10 years under a pseudonym of Jim Lindsay, hasn't been killing anybody, he's wanting to just do his thing, uh, but you know, thing he gets pushed a certain way and it triggers him and, you know, he does make a kill, so to speak. And, um, again, his son shows up and then his son begins to show those same signs that he's, he's like fretted about for the whole show. Like he didn't want the quote unquote dark passenger to go to his boy. And clearly it has his son, uh, has a friend in high school who's been bullied and that friend romanticizes in his journal about killing the people that have bullied him, but he doesn't act on it. He doesn't have any weapons. It's just a way for him to, to cope, uh, to, to cope through his adversity. But Harrison sees that as an opportunity and, and kills this boy and tells everybody that, Hey, you know, he, he was going to shoot up the whole school. See, read the journals. And so they make him a hero, but uh, Dexter knows right off the top, hey, he's got it. He, he did this. I know that his story doesn't add up. So throughout the show, there's another serial killer that's running amok uh, that they brush up against, and uh, that he was going to kill Harrison, and eventually they kill him, and you think, okay, Kurt's gone, and we're going into the last episode. It's going to be Everything's going to be okay now. But he was dating the policeman or police woman mm-hmm. uh, for this local town, and she was suspicious of of uh, Jim slash Dexter, and she started doing this like investigation behind his back because all these people had these track marks in their neck where he was shooting them up with the ketamine to put them to sleep when he would butcher them. So she you know, connects the dots and thinks he's a killer and arrests him. You you want me to keep going? Yes, absolutely. This is the big spoiler now. So I I should say that Adeptus in the chat room hates the show. I thought it was full of plot holes uh, and so much of it was not rational or logical at all. And I'll give you that Adeptus, that there were some things that were a little bit stretched plausibility, but, uh, but nonetheless, uh, Dan, give away, give the, the major spoiler of how this season is concluded. Yeah, this is where I don't. This is where I don't like it. Right. Okay, so let's rewind. Earlier in the season, around episode five or six, we see Angel Batista, whom was a major player in the original series. He's still in Miami, and you know you don't know for sure if he's going to be involved again. Maybe it was a one-off. But keep that in mind. So put a pen in that. We'll come back to that. So uh, Dexter's arrested. He tells the Angela, the police officer, uh, that he knows where uh, Kurt's bodies, his trophies are. So she goes to go check that. And, like, the deputy, uh, who's also Harrison's wrestling coach, 
which is a critical point. Uh, you know, comes close to the cell and Dexter starts to choke him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just give me the keys, man. I don't want to hurt you. Just let me go. And of course the officer doesn't want to give in like that and is going to shoot him and brandishes his firearm. So Dexter chokes him to death and he doesn't want to, uh, but keep in mind, the code says don't get caught. That's number one, right? We've heard it the whole series. Don't get caught. So unfortunately Logan had to die. He didn't want to do it. And so now he's free and he's a, he's a fugitive. So he tells Harrison to meet me in this fucking cold ass place where this deer was killed earlier in the season. So there they are. They're going to, they're free to go now he wants to go to Los Angeles, get back in warm weather and get a fresh start. But Harrison says, Oh, let me rewind. So Angela realizes what's happened. That Logan is dead. She calls Batista and tells Batista, Hey, Dexter Morgan is alive. I've been fucking him. This is Dexter. She sends an email to Angel. Angel, the look on Angel's face is priceless. So I'm getting this built-up expectation that Angel's going to have a fucking, yeah, what are they going to say? This like, oh, my God, you've, you've been alive this whole time. I, I, I have this fantasy that he's going to, like, talk Dexter into, con, you know, confessing. Because Dexter did have an affinity for this man during the show, you know. But anyway, we see that Angel says he's in on he's in route, and then he's not there. The rest of the fucking show, he says he's coming, and they don't even show him. It's the same night. Just a failed opportunity. Like if I'm because you love him so much, like I do, that you wanted to see one more scene with him, but he just got there too late. He said, "Well, then you you hold it off another day, then." And you bring the whole show full circle and maybe, and I'll get to the spoiler, but maybe, maybe he confesses that he killed LaGuerta and maybe Angel kills him to avenge that. And then, then he feels remorse. He doesn't want to do what he liked. Yeah, that sounds like a whole nother episode. Uh, I, I feel Harrison pulls the trigger and kills his father. But that doesn't make any sense. Oh, to let's me, get back to it. I, to me, okay, it does. Well, all right, well, let me get back to it, and then, then I'll listen to your viewpoint. So they get there, no Batista, and Harrison's like, wait a minute. You called me from Logan's phone. You've called me from Coach's phone. Okay? Yeah. Let's go. We don't have a lot of time, Harrison. Okay. You know, keep in mind, this, is, this kid's killing now already. He's already killed the kid in school. He watched him kill Kurt, so he's on board with death. But and the number one thing on the code is don't get caught. Well, he's suddenly butthurt that Logan got killed, which again was, you know, friendly fire. He didn't want that to happen, but that's what had to transpire for him to escape. And now he can be with his son and they can live happily ever after. Let's get the fuck out of here. But Harrison won't let that go. He's like, you know, now you killed coach. You killed coach and then starts saying all this shit that he doesn't know anything about. Like mm-hmm. his character would not know, like you killed this person and this person died because of you. And you start to see flashbacks, whether it's Deb or LaGuerta or, or, or the guy that the Carradine character played, the officer, uh, you know, the, the FBI agent, mm-hmm. all these people that have died throughout the series. So Dexter suddenly is like, you're right. You're right. I'm the bad guy now. Like, I'm the guy, I'm the villain, which, again, doesn't make any sense because his whole character thing, his dad taught him, do not get caught. It's not like he intended for any of these people to die. 
So Harrison brandishes a fucking gun on him. Again, why would he want to kill his own dad? Makes no sense. Yes, whatsoever. it does. Go ahead. No sense. No sense whatsoever. Especially when he's doing the killing too. Harrison's a fucking hypocrite then. And it's like, did he have to kill that kid in school? What did the kid do? The kid in school was bullied. The kid in school didn't fuck with anybody. But he turned that kid's adversity into fucking killing him just to satiate his own dark passenger. So Harrison himself is a bad guy then. But now he's suddenly a fucking hero. He's like, oh, I'm going to shoot my dad because, you know, that that's going to make no sense. But okay, he shoots Dexter. Dexter encourages him. That he says, turn off the safety and shoot me right here on the stomach. And then Dexter dies, supposedly, happy because he feels loved that Harrison would kill him. The end. What the fuck? And before I, I'll shut up, but I want to say, again, I say you rewrite that scene. You bring Batista in. They have their little showdown, their conversation. Batista kills him, and it brings the show full circle. I'm happy with it. This scenario with his son makes me angry. It makes no fucking sense, but I'll listen it to makes you because you think sense. it does. It makes total sense, and I will say this on my behalf. Uh, Clyde Phillips, the showrunner, says, I'm trying to find the exact quote, uh, Fans of Dexter won't like the ending. Smart Dexter fans will. So they, I, I wrote back to Mr. Phillips and said, thank you for the compliment. This is on social media. <laughs> I get it. You have to have the son kill the dad so that he can cleanse these feelings of wanting to be a serial killer away. It is. And I went into this whole thing on social media. We, you know, we fall in love with anti-heroes, you know, Dexter, Tony Soprano, uh, Don Draper, all of these. And some of them are like monsters. Tony Soprano and Dexter are fucking monsters. Yet here we are week after week after week. We're pulling for them to get away with murder, actual murder. And yeah. We can excuse it as saying, well, he's a vigilante. Well, with Tony Soprano, you can't excuse it whatsoever. But we can excuse it, but it's still wrong. These 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 are monsters killing other human beings. And I wanted Batista to kill him, by the way. That would have been a good ending. And, and, and Adeptus said, said in the chat that your, your approach to how the series should have been handled would have been better than the way they did. Adeptus goes on to say, killing your father didn't doesn't erase being born in blood. It does in the sense that this guy Dexter was trying to get his son to to continue along the way he did the fact that a matter is that the the real villain in all this was the fucking cop Deb's father who trained Dexter to be this vigilante should have right. got the kid help. Should have fucking thrown him in an insane asylum or whatever. What but, about what I said about Harrison, though? Like killing that kid innocently in school or even being the, the kid that he, he killed in the school. The kid committed suicide, didn't he, if I remember correctly? No, Dexter, Dexter's son killed him. Oh, that's and right. He, he did die and, after a, a week. And Harrison made it look like he was defending himself, but Dexter knew because of the blood splat, spatter that it was that he killed him. And he did kill him, and he confessed it to Dexter at the end of the show. So, again, he's doing the same thing. And the night, just the, the same fucking night before, 
he was there and was advocating Dexter killing Kurt. So, I mean, and suddenly now he's got a moral compass when he's doing the same shit. And now I'll just out of nowhere. Oh, you can't. But he coach. explains that. He says, I don't want to be this way. I want to be normal. Dad, I don't want to be like you. And Dexter finally gets it, which is why he raises his hands and says, son, you need to do this. You need to put me out of my fucking misery and you need to erase this bond that I was trying to have with you by killing He just killing committed me. murder. He just shot Dexter. like that, And suddenly now he's cured and he's got a it's, magic cure. And the rest of his life, he's going to be okay. Come it's, on, it's, it's symbolic. It's, it's, it's much more. It's implausible. It's not at all implausible. He was just with his dad killing Kurt the night before. So hours what? Before. So what? So he's the same guy. And killing his dad, like the only person that fucking that he's got in the whole world, makes no sense. I don't know, man. It made sense to me. I was I was actually moved. And as soon as it was over, I turned to my wife and I said, I think that is the absolute best ending they could have came, come up with. I'm, I disagree. Angel does it. It comes full circle. Well, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. I'm in a minority because I, I went on social media. Uh, anticipating that people were going to say this is one of the great endings along with Six Feet Under and other great shows and so Six forth. Six Feet Under was tremendous. It was indeed tremendous. And there it was. I was fucking greeted with people saying, this is the worst fucking piece of shit. I can't believe they brought back Dexter for this season and they fucking kill him off like that. That's bullshit. I was reading so many comments. I was like, holy shit. Is this like Alternate reality, I did not get it at all. And then when you piped in and shared the same sentiments, and now Adeptus and, uh, and others are, I, I, maybe maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe I'm not. I, I am not buying Harrison, who was involved in a murder with him hours before, suddenly getting a moral compass to the point where he wants to kill his own dad. He's taking a stand now after he's killed an innocent kid in school. And then falsely got people to think he was a hero he's the same fucking monster mm -hmm. and if anything he's the spoiled fucking entitled person in this thing like dexter the whole time whether we like him or not or you know you say he's a monster like dexter could almost just look at his son being happy talking to other kids and almost cry mm -hmm. like his whole existence at that point was just to make his son feel loved and his son shot him I do agree with you and, and Adeptus when he says the end game needed to be Harrison gradually realizing that his own father fits the code. Right. Okay. I'll go with that. Fast. Yes. I agree. I agree. It's with gotta that. be a slow build. Not, it can't happen just with the switch, a flick of a switch. I, I, I agree with that. You know, it was a 10 episode season. It, it should have been 12 or 13. It did seem, you know, like uh, from a budget standpoint, that they may have cut corners. I, I think previous seasons have been, uh, maybe not, but uh, yeah, they were thirteen and all okay, the other ones. There you go. So they were missing three episodes, and maybe that what that third act, so to speak, was 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 missing. So uh, I'll, I'll give you guys that. But I, and why I why do you think it. the scene with Batista there even exists in the final episode if he's not going to be involved? Like when he says, "Okay, I'm a, I'm in route." Like, why would he be in route if you're not going to use him again? That should have been cut. I think the reason why is because, she, as she told Dexter, is tomorrow you're going to be charged with the you're going to be charged with all these murders 
uh, you're the Bay Harbor butcher. And so you need that Miami cop to come up there to make that arrest. I thought but he that doesn't was... come up there. That's what I'm saying. They because should have every... shown him being there. Well, maybe he was. Maybe he was taking a shit and little snakes were coming out. <laughs> I still think Batista, they should have, they, they missed an opportunity to have Batista confront him. And then even if Harrison still kills him, they missed a golden scene I don't for think it all to come back full circle. You could mention stuff from season one through eight because Batista was there for all of it. All right. It is time now to bring back our man Santucci because Stephen Mee says you got to bring back to Santucci because he'll stop the, all this talk about a TV show I've never seen. <laughs> Tucci, how are you, brother? Uh, he's muted. There we go. I got to yep. go. I'll just tell you this. Euphoria came back Sunday night. With Zendaya? Yeah, it's it it was it was so good too. Uh, uh, I haven't watched it. How much you remember about season one? And I, I gotta hurry and I want you and Tooch to enjoy the rest of the show and everybody listening. But the guy that was the bully in the first Nate, season, the Nate. football player, Nate. Nate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Nate. He got his fucking ass kicked in the opener <laughs> of Fesco, and it was phenomenal. I've like, I've hated Nate the whole fucking series so far, and he got his ass whipped like he's going to the hospital. Like Olin Krutz just hit him. <laughs> just hit him. Are, are you uh, caught up on Yellow Jackets? That last episode, man, what the f? Yeah, let's get Dan out of here, and then we can talk about Yellow Jackets <laughs> and other things. I loved Yellow Jackets. Oh, the last one was great. You want to talk about it, Dan, before you go? Yeah. Don't get into just, fucking I, I detail. Like, wow. So, so she killed the guy. I was like, damn. I know. Shauna has always been a bad person. Yeah, and her husband wasn't even cheating. She was wrong. Yeah. See, I, I know. I'm not, what? I'm not, I'm not digging on Yellow Jackets. It, it, I'm watching it because I'm invested now. But I, I, I don't know, man. It's not work i wish they would have done a linear story as opposed to bouncing back and forth the story on the island with these girls who have crash landed on this island and now have no supplies and they're headed towards uh, yeah. uh, uh, uh what's it called when you eat uh, uh cannibalism cannibalism uh headed in that direction which has been teased since before the first episode and here we are fucking episode nine i haven't seen anybody eat anybody yet I wish they would have done that linear. It looks story. like they're getting close, though. Yeah, but yeah, towards the season finale, that's probably yeah. going to be the fucking uh, cliffhangers. I'm, she's about I to hope eat I'm somebody. close to eating another pussy, by the way. By the way wait a minute before you go. What's been going on with your sex life? Because people have been asking me privately. Hey, is Dan still having sex? Because if not, why isn't he talking about it? Because I need to get off. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I got off uh, or got sex, whatever. <laughs> Was uh, the last time I had sex was a couple days after Christmas, which oh. was my Christmas gift, I guess. Nice. Well, so uh, it was like December 27th or whatever. Mm -hmm. Things are building up. Yeah, well, it's things are building up. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to come to a climax. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I wish I could stay. Uh, I hope you all talk more about Yellow Jacket so I can hear it on the podcast version. Uh, I love the show. I, I'm glad it's got renewed for season two, too, and I'm too. looking forward to the finale. All right. We'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Good show, man. All right. Likewise, man. Later, Danny. That's Dan Bye. Aguirre. That's Dan McMahon, a.k.a. Dan Aguirre, the uh, award-winning radio host uh, from a, a radio station somewhere in West Virginia. We are so fortunate to have him here. 
at the bar room. And we're also fortunate to have John Santucci, Amy, and Bethany McDonald are such huge fans of yours. I know. Always climbing. <laughs> what is going on? I don't know. <laughs> um, Nothing good can come of it. So besides those two shows, one that you haven't seen, and Yellow Jackets, we just touched on that. I wanted to ask a question about Dexter because uh, are some of the characters from you know the old show returning for this last season, like Deb and Angel or Angel? Mm-hmm. Are they in the new one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, they are. And, uh, the um, chief. What was the? I, I think I can give this away. Deb is is basically replacing the alter ego of uh, of Dexter's stepfather from season one. He's no longer on uh, uh, James uh, Remar. James Remar from, from the Warriors. Warriors. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, he's I'm sick of running from these pussies. <laughs> <laughs> you remember it very well. I love that movie. And what was that? Nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah, yeah seventy-eight. If you've never seen the movie The Warriors, do Classic. yourself a favor and check it out. Now, if you are really yeah. into deep plot lines, then don't do it. This is a very yeah. kinetic uh, kind There's of visceral a... movie, action yeah. film. So it's really, really good. Um, yeah. By the way, uh, people have been talking about Yellowstone. Vince just posted up that Yellowstone isn't a bad show. Now, you have not seen that, right, Tooch? I have not. I, I think I made uh, 1883 is available to me. I don't have Peacock. I, I have Paramount Plus, which I Ironically, I ordered Paramount Plus so that I could watch Yellowstone, but you have uh-huh. to pay for it. <laughs> and oh. they only have like the latest season available for free, which is like what? Man, Anyways, this whole so I've got to get Peacock or something to. Yeah, watch, streaming uh, is is, is going to make people go bankrupt. Is what they're doing. Yeah. They nickel and diamond everything. It's uh, Kevin Costner, and then the. The prequel is 1883 uh, Yellowstone origin story or something like that. I did not know um, that. I think I might watch that one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, with Dexter, I haven't watched the, the latest season. What was the verdict? Was it great ending, bad ending? I, I love I the ending, okay. uh, but the majority of people are saying that it was not a good ending. The majority of people in the chat room uh, and Dan didn't like the ending, and the majority of the people in social media thought the same thing. Dan doesn't I, like anything, though, you know? Yeah, Dan is a contrarian. <laughs> let's face it 4000 clover says yellowstone is fucking awesome show and i typically can't stand cowboy stuff this is with is it kevin costner is in that in that one yeah yeah kevin, kevin costner and who else there's i think there's a female name that we should uh remember or another male co-star uh and anyway i, I i've told my wife we got to check out yellowstone because everybody's talking about it so uh <laughs> Steven asked me, speaking of Peacock, how's your sex life going all the way? <laughs> uh I'll tell he you. He has been very out. salty in the chat room, Steven. Steven has been. He's he's pissed off that we gave away the ending of Dexter. <laughs> um so <laughs> anything else that you've seen, Tooch, that you want to uh brag about here or suggest to people? Um, let's see. Goodness. Uh what have I watched recently? Uh, oh, uh, Sydney Poitier died. So I, oh my gosh, yes. I watched in the heat of the night. Excellent with Rod movie. Steiger. Pretty much yeah. the pro of uh, the pregen. Is that the percussor? Percussor. Percussor. Precursor to the buddy precursor. cop movie. Yeah. Right. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. And uh, and you know it. it <clears throat> I, 
it was made in 1967 and I, you know looking at it I was like it's very well made yeah you know norman beautiful jewish. camera work norman jewish and film uh and and uh it, it didn't look 67 at all other mm -hmm. than the clothes and the cars mm -hmm. but uh the style and the camera was shot in you know 70 millimeter you know panavision beautiful mm -hmm. beautiful film uh and then you know decent i mean sydney portier is a great actor yeah Rod Steiger, pretty damn good himself. Oh know, yeah, so. that that was a, a great f and pairing. If if you were to make a list right. of great uh, pairings uh, in 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 movie history, you might want to include that in your top one hundred list. There's no doubt about it. Rod Steiger, as a small country sheriff who doesn't like a uh, African American cop coming into his district and telling him what yeah. to do. The investigation. Well dressed, handsome, mm -hmm. yep. smart. Yep. You know, and uh, you know, gets uh gets roped into helping Rod Steiger's uh you know, redneck police chief solve a murder. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you saw that. Yes, Fantastic. made a lot of uh, a lot of great movies over his years. Um I saw something and now I'm it, it just left my mind as to what I saw that was pretty good um i'll come back to it i'll remember what it is but um let's talk a little bit of football because there's a bunch of new people who have just joined the show right. and i want to uh, get your opinion and, and other opinions on the chicago bears do you have you know the, i've been rolling this this scroll at the bottom of the screen here with confirmed coaching candidates that are being interviewed todd bowles and and, and uh uh brian the ball and so forth Anyone on this list really, really appeal to you? No. Really? None no. of them. Not even, uh, well, Brian Flores, we've talked about, maybe he's not a great people person. Leslie Frazier, he does not appeal to me either. Former uh, bear, former player, but, you know, defensive guy. Right. Nathaniel Hackett, I don't think he has really anything at all to do with the Packers' success. That's right. Rodgers and, to a small degree, LaFleur. Leftwich right. uh, intrigues me. What do you think about Byron Leftfoot, Leftwich, uh, the former quarterback of all, is the offensive coordinator of the Bucks? Well, it was gutsy as a player, you know, mm -hmm. so you got to love that. Uh, how much of his success was Tom Brady? You know, you could say same, you know, former player, which I like. You know, it hasn't been a head coach yet, but uh, there's potential. If, if you if you held a gun to my head, I would, I would probably lean towards. Uh, left, which Doug Peterson's kind of intriguing because he's done it before, mm -hmm. you know, as a former player. But if you're talking former Bears player, been a head coach in the NFL, you know, knows the NFC North, it's got to be Jim Harbaugh, mm -hmm. you know, and then you bring back Fangio. That's that's the McCaskies backing into it by accident and doing the right thing. Uh, do I do I do I think Jim Harbaugh is like? the smartest coach out there. Not really. You know, I think Harbaugh would need a guy like Fangio to like Ditka did, you know, let him do the defense like Buddy Ryan did. And then it depends on who Harbaugh hires as an offensive coordinator. That's going to, you know, uh, uh, be innovative and is going to use the strengths of Justin Fields uh, to, uh, to his best abilities, you know, mm -hmm. and then, Harbaugh, you just need him to rally the troops, understand what a player goes through in the NFL. Uh, that uh, he's got plenty of practice being media savvy, George McCaskey. <laughs> he, he sure does. <laughs> Four thousand Clover says he only wants head coaches who have had success 
as a head coach. So fourth Harbaugh went to the Super Bowl. That is true. I'll ask uh, four thousand, and I ask you too. What about Doug Peterson, the former yeah. Philadelphia Eagles coach who won a Super Bowl with none other than Nick Foles as his quarterback? What do you think about Big that? Stick Nick? That's <laughs> like Big Dick. Yeah. That's what I said. Doug Peterson is intriguing. He's had a year off. You know, uh, Philly fans, you know, tired of him towards the end, but they hate everybody. Mm-hmm. It's a Philly fan, you know, Philly fan. That's Philly fans. You know, they hate everything. They'll boo, they'll boo a number one. They booed Dan, Donovan McNabb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they drafted Donovan McNabb, who was a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, Doug Peterson is intriguing, you know. Uh, I don't, I don't <laughs> like, he, in his last season or two with the media in Philadelphia, it got nasty. And if you remember that, the final game that he coached, um, he benches Jalen Hurts with like for no fucking reason at all, and brings in this this undrafted free agent quarterback who has no experience or something. Something was going on. There was there was a a, a unpleasant uh, uh, separation between the Philadelphia Eagles and and Peterson, and so I'm wary of that. And how can you take a, a a team that wins the Super Bowl and they become so fucking awful just two or three years later? I mean, usually. There is a letdown for the Super Bowl winning team, but it shouldn't continue for another season or two. So I'm a, I'm a little leery of of him. And then somebody asked Joe O'Donnell asked, "What about Flores? What, wouldn't he be considered the best candidate?" Well, the story, Joe, if you just joined us, the story on Flores is that he has a hard time getting along with coaches and his relationship with Tua, his quarterback was not very good and a couple of other players and uh, Ross, the general man or the owner of the team was well aware of these stories. Uh, It was, you know, and it was in, some of it was in the media. So he just said, yeah, you got to go. So take that for whatever it's with a grain of salt. He could be a great people person, uh, but that's the report on Flores right now. And so I, I got a feeling it might be tough for him to get a job. Yeah. I mean, he's intriguing as well. You know I mean? The Miami defense had a lot of injuries this year. They had, they had a seven game losing streak at the start of the season, then a seven game winning streak to put themselves back into playoff contention. So, I mean, the, Say what you want about him. The guy has, you know, he, he came back from an 0 and 7 start. start. Mm-hmm. You know, so the team never stopped playing for him. But uh, uh, we, we, we've had enough, you know, losing streaks with Matt Nagy. So, but I mean, McDonald says that Aldo wants his head coach to get along with everyone. And, and that's the question he's asking. No, no, he not really. You have to get along with it, but he's got to coexist. If you're having assistant coaches leave in the middle of the season, then what, what the hell is going on? And, and, and people are pointing the finger at you. And the reports are that you are not getting along with your young starting quarterback. And that somebody said earlier that Flores wanted Herbert and the GM wanted Tua. Well, it didn't work out for you, Coach Flores. And if you're taking it out on Tua uh, because of that, uh, then that's not good coaching. Now, again, this is all speculation. I can't say for sure. So if, if Flores were to become the Chicago Bears' next head coach, 
I would uh, support it as much as I have every other coach, but I would love to get answers to those questions. What exactly went on in Miami? Why were you fired? Let's not forget that Matt Nagy was hired and a lot of people kind of just overlooked the fiasco that Matt Nagy created in that first playoff game for the Chiefs that season with Alex Smith at quarterback. They ran the ball like nine times the entire game. Uh, Nagy totally forgot to uh, run the ball. Everyone who follows the, followed that game uh, and reported on that game said, Nagy screwed up the play call. He forgot to run the ball. Whoa. You know, we were forewarned, uh, but we didn't see it. So that might be the case with Flores. Hopefully that's not the case. Um, uh, He's got a a Hispanic surname. So I would love to see more Hispanic representation in all areas of being a football. Yeah. I I think back then when people were asking Matt Nagy about uh, why he – you know, got away from the run. He's like, I don't know how important running the ball is. I'm not an idiot, but you also have to pass the ball. It's like, that's all he wanted to do was pass the ball. It's just not, come on. You're not, don't bullshit us. Former quarterback, right? Former quarterback who, who just, he, he was living vicariously through, uh, you know, whoever was quarterback in the Chicago Bears. He wanted yeah. to be slinging yeah. the football. The guy he, he wanted to quarterback the Bears was named Matt Nagy. That was the guy he wanted for his quarterback, you know? Yep. Nobody nobody could do it as good as him. Yep. And I agree with Steven. Flores does deserve an interview just because of his track record. Uh, whether he can convince the ownership remains to be seen. But I agree. I, I would, you know, he is going to be interviewed, and I'm glad that he is. And hopefully when he's asked the questions about what happened in Miami, he's got some good responses because maybe there's a false narrative out there. So So we'll see. Certainly, you know, there's been a lot of upset people that he was released just when it, it seemed like he had turned the team around. Um, what about Joe Lombardi, Adeptus wants to know? What do you think about Joe Lombardi, the former Detroit Lions offensive coordinator who uh, was fired in midseason by the Lions in 2017, I want to say, and now has found success calling plays for uh, Justin Herbert at the Chargers. You like uh, Mr. Joe Lombardi, uh, Tooch? He's had some buzz recently. It sure has done a good job. You know, fired from the Lions, but I mean, he, there's lots of talent on the Chargers' offensive side of the ball. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Justin Herbert. Those guys will make uh, offensive coordinators look pretty good. You know. It's uh, the defensive it. defensive side of the ball that Chargers have problems with, you know. Right. The thing about Lombardi is that it, you know, because I was following the Lions closely that season because I was covering it for the NFC North Bar Room, um, you know, he was detested in in Detroit, and I mean, he was run out of town in the middle of the season. So one time we need Don Burr. He's not here. Yeah. Right. Where are you, Don? <laughs> Why is he? But, you know, it it just seemed like he wasn't doing a good job. And and that's with Matthew Stafford at at quarterback. And I think that was Calvin Johnson's Megatron's last season when he was fired in midseason. So he had weapons over there, but they just could not get it. And that was that was the issue. Then maybe he's learned from this uh, because they didn't run the ball. Well, the Lions for a long time not had a good running back. I mean, can you can you think of the before the the the. Uh, DeAndre Swift, who they have now, and, and I think they got a good backup in 
Jamal Williams. But before then, they have not had a, a good running back in maybe over 10 years. Um, you know, they they drafted the kid from Nebraska who fumbled the ball a lot. Uh, real Amir super. Uh, yeah, Amir Abdullah. Uh, but I can't remember of any any good running backs that they've had. So they so they always put everything on in Stafford's throwing hand, and uh, and of course he was prone to making a lot of mistakes. So I don't they know, man. Had anybody really good since Barry Sanders? Barry, well, after Billy Sims was before Barry Sanders. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's been Barry Sanders. What a player, man. Joe O'Donnell asks, think we've possibly found our weakest link, and that's George McCaskey. I am a fan, yet is the final say of – I'm a fan guy, is yet the final say of hires and GM reports directly to him. Yeah, yep. it's 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 unbelievable that – I mean, Tooch knows a I lot. I talked about of, it. Yeah. You you know, they they can't recognize where their own blind side is. <laughs> well, their own blind spot they can't recognize where their own blind spot is that's right that's basically what the, the comment just said that's right which so i said last week i'm gonna call a press conference and i'm gonna tell people about our plan and during the press conference i'm gonna reveal that the gm is going to report to me but i'm also going to tell people that i'm just a fan and i'm not an evaluator i mean where's the logic in that uh i i, I don't understand that and, and i'm surprised that dan didn't see that as a yeah, major yeah. fault faux pas Amir Abdullah was there. That's why I used the word clueless. You know, they, they're, they're, they're oblivious. Mm-hmm. Oblivious is probably a better word. Yeah, well put. Like, they, they don't sense anything wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, that's the blind spot. George McCaskey is the Bears' blind spot. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he <laughs> needs to step back and be a board a director, a, a, a board member. Mm-hmm. Hire somebody like Bill Polian, but somebody maybe who's younger. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Polian may only work for a year you know, before he's gone. Or he might be in his last breath right now. Exactly. So it, this search might kill him. <laughs> Having to talk to George McCaskey might kill him. Dealing with Ted and George might kill him. <laughs> Can you imagine Bill Polian is like, okay, so there are four downs. You know, the ball has to move at least 10 yards to get a renewal of downs. Oh, I get it. But but what's a down, says George? (laughs) All right. Uh, My mama used to give me those little white pills when I'd get too hyper. Downs? (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. Poor George McCaskey at his age has Jesus. to be taught how to evaluate talent, how to deal with the general manager. And Mike Florio, Mike Florio had it right. Somebody in the chat said, it's the first time I've ever agreed with Mike Florio. Yeah. Mike Florio said, if you don't know how to evaluate talent and you're an NFL owner and have been so for uh, for over 11 years now and have been in the football family for decades, if you don't know these things, you should sell the team. Yeah, it's it's sad. They might, you know. I mean, it it could be they're waiting for two things to happen to sell the team. Mm -hmm. Mommy dies, which will give them the clear, all clear, you know, and and sell it when you've got that Arlington Stadium and fan experience in place. You know, what you want there is is the stadium. Mm -hmm. You want the uh, uh, casino. Mm-hmm. That, that, that what they could do is just is just retain some rights to casino revenue, right? Restaurants, shopping, uh, a fan head, head fan shop. shop, 
Yeah. Oh, head top. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, uh, you, might, you might as well have a dispensary on, on yes, site. Exactly. <laughs> you know, liquor store, dispensary, you know, and then sell right. it. Hotel. It. You need a hotel, <laughs> casino, all that stuff. <laughs> dome, retractable dome. That, 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 they'll sell the bears for five $5 billion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's worth what, a billion now? They build yeah, that. I think it's more than a billion. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. If they get all that built, you know, it'll be unbelievable. It'll five be to ten billion dollars, right. and then. <laughs> hey, I want to comment on what Stephen. Don Burr is back. Do we uh, need to ask him a question? Yeah, let me get to Don in a second. Let me address and this, then, uh, and then you can leave, Don. <laughs> Let me address this from uh, Stephen Degishi, uh first. Uh, mm-hmm. He writes that George McCaskey should shut the hell up forever after using J.D. Dickerson's son in such an egregious way. Yeah, uh, Stephen Degishi is the co-host of the Double A team, and before yep. we went on the air, he told me about that, and I said, "Well, I listened. I wasn't listening intently to those opening remarks, uh, uh, multitasking, but I didn't. I don't think he 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 meant anything." ill by it but and immediately after showing steven's guest was michelle Steele uh from the espn a reporter and sometimes anchor weekend anchor and and she said yeah that was terrible and so i went back and listened to it and they were both right steven and and michelle were both right what what george did there was at the very least a uh, uh just uh 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 an articulation blunder but could have been just being utterly yeah, well, stupid. I don't remember what he said because I, uh, yeah, I knew I knew it was coming when he started mm-hmm. talking about he was going to scold fans for uh, Matt Nagy's son's football game. He knew that mm-hmm. was coming, right? You know, all right, what, do we, oh, fine. We don't need to hear it from you, George. But I, I missed. I knew that was coming, so I, I missed what he said about Dickerson. Well, he started actually uh, before he scolded fans about that. Mm-hmm. He. Talked about uh, you know Jeff Dickerson, Dickerson's son Parker, and then you know without hesitation, he he talks about these fans who have made things, you know, uh, were were yelling at the uh, you know protesting Matt Nagy at his son's football game, and it was just like it was it, it was just poorly handled. Um, yeah. I didn't pull the clip, so maybe I'll, I'll do that because um, it would be better. Cool. Than- what you call a bad segue mm-hmm. right? yeah yeah exactly and steven says why the hell did he have to uh open up reopen up that old wound yeah. anyway that whole I mean, nagy's gone you know but it is what it he is. lives in another world I, well i think that george has gotten kind of crotchety in his yeah. own age you know uh because he he never displayed that before although you know we are learning now from olin Krutz that he yeah. was, you know bitching out a a former bears mm-hmm. linebacker because he wasn't wearing his shirt in the ticket off and so maybe maybe george mccaskey has had a little of his uh, george yeah. Hallett and, and michael <laughs> mccaskey was just as clueless you know, they, they, they think that they're up here and we're here, mm-hmm. you know, so we should listen to what they have to say because they're never wrong. But the fact is, is that everyone down here knows that they're freaking idiots. <laughs> you, got you, know? that right. so. you got that right. Um, Adeptus uh, says, although do you think it's important to hire a GM before a head coach? Yeah, we talked yeah. about this a little earlier. The only way you should do it the other way around is if you're hiring a head coach who then essentially will hire the GM. You know, G- uh, Jim Harbaugh is the perfect, you know, Dave wants that explained it 
perfectly on on our uh, um, uh, media highlights reel. You said you know when he was hired down at Miami, he was the he was the GM and coach, but he kind of relinquished those duties, the GM duties, to the two people he hired from the Chicago Bears uh, organization to handle pro personnel and, and um, be college scout. He just wanted to say over the 54 man roster. And that's what most coaches care about. They're, not, they're too busy, you know, scheming and, and working week to week at winning football team games to perform those GM duties. So if, if Harbaugh comes in here and says, yeah, this is why I would love for you to uh, bring in as GM. And if you really, really love Jim Harbaugh, then give him his GM. So, uh, but if you're hiring a head coach, especially somebody as strong-willed as Harbaugh, and then you're going to try to marry him with a GM that he hardly knows, the odds of that marriage working out are uh, about as good as my first marriage was. I don't think Harbaugh would Harbaugh right. would probably want to have like say over, you know, like kind of like Bill, but it, just to even come here, he's got enough. He's got enough influence and power to to demand that he have say over personnel, mm-hmm. you know, much like Belichick does, right? Isn't Belichick also the general manager? Yeah, I don't know if he's got that official title, but <clears throat> he ha- he's, he's it's his organization uh, outside right. of Kraft. It's Bill Belichick's organization. Yeah. So, hey, Don Burr, if you can answer this question, we were talking about uh, Joe Lombardi. Mm-hmm. And what was his reputation down at uh, Detroit as an offensive coordinator? So if you can share your thoughts in the chat, we'll share that with our audience here. Yeah, this is a good point here that by Adeptus again. Why the fuck did George McCaskey need to bring this up? Yeah, it was distasteful. There's no doubt about that. Why? Look, mm-hmm. all you have to do is go out there and say we've Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace no longer work for the Bears. We were we weren't winning enough games. Mm-hmm. You know, the offense was 32nd in the league. That's it. Done. Well, we'll, take, we'll take you know we'll take your questions now. And it's also part of the problem of when you rarely talk to your fans in yes. the media, you know, then you feel like you got to get that in and during that press conference. If if that really bothered him so much, what you do is you call the PR department and say get a reporter who's very friendly to the Bears. I want yeah. to be interviewed by that person because I want to get this fucking thing off my chest. So you call over, you know, uh, the Larry Mayer. Yeah, Larry Mayer, exactly. <laughs> right. Or Lou Canellis over at Channel yeah. 32 WFLD. You know, they got an association with the Bears. I'm not saying that Canellis is, is some, you know, uh, toady that would do whatever McCaskey wants him to do, but th- he's friendly with, with the Bears. So that's the way you get those messages across. I've learned in, in leadership with CEOs and stuff that you got to have constant communication with the fans, with your customers. And so George McCaskey doing it once a year is just bad fucking business. Steven says his favorite GM candidates are Ed Dodds, Rick Smith, Kuisi Adolfo Mensa. How'd I do there, Tooch? Did I get that right? I'll go with yes. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know. Any, I don't know any who any of these guys are, but I, I've uh, heard of the name Rick Smith before. For yeah, he reason. was the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Uh, uh, well, no, no, uh, Texas, uh, Houston Texans GM, and he was responsible for the drafting of Deshaun Watson. If I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, he's, he's, <clears throat> he he comes highly recommended. Now he stepped away from the game because his 
his wife uh, had cancer, uh, which she lost her struggle for, but he, he left the organization to care for his wife. And now he's looking to get back into the business. Uh, the factor says George McCaskey should have been traveling with the Bears scout staff, learning football instead of standing in a ticket box when he was younger. Yeah. 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 Or else, yeah. you know, or just, yeah. be, just be a board member then, right? Right. Right. If you're not going to learn the right. game. I learned today when listening to these media clips, uh, I learned from Dan Bernstein over at the WSCR is that George McCaskey used to be an assistant prosecutor. Did you fucking know that? I didn't know it. No, I didn't know that either. But, so like, must, Cook County? Have, I don't County? know. That's all he said. But apparently, so he's got his law license and, and he, he, so, you know, this guy, you know, like, the factor says he should have been a fucking ball boy and worked his way up uh, and, and really, really learned the business of football before assuming that he's, he's capable of learning how to be a, 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 an executive for football operations, which is what he's going to be doing with the GM reporting to him. It's a fucking joke. Yeah, step, step aside, hire someone that knows football. This is what everyone's been saying. There needs mm-hmm. to be someone at the top of uh president vice president of football operations you know and then a gm mm-hmm. and a coach and and that's Greg what, the reporters tried to try to try to uh why don't you think that structure works they tried to ask the question of george mccaskey he kind of yeah. I, I don't know if he i don't think he understood the question but he kind of didn't he didn't really answer he didn't give an answer yeah there were a few times where it seemed <clears> like he had no clue what the question was yeah because he he's the blind me. spot <laughs> he's the blind spot of the organization yeah exactly did uh, we get a response from don burn no he left I think he came around he's like <laughs> maybe he was drunk and he was just no. like said such nonsense and then left <laughs> oh my gosh so um i don't know you know think- while you were while you were out and i was talking with dan I, yeah. I was like trying to get dan to understand that like george was telling you know hey our our record under Ryan Pace is 48 and 65. And Matt Nagy, you know, last couple seasons. That, that record is George McCaskey's also. If you're going to be the guy. Thank you. If you're going to be the guy that's the football operations guy, that's your record too. You know, you should own it. And you should fire yourself because if they weren't good enough, neither were you. Mm. you know, I, that's what, that's the I point agree. that's missing. Yeah. Adeptus has an interesting point here. Since he thinks George actually does know football, but he pretends not to so that he isn't accountable. Feigned buffoonery to keep Man. the heat off. Well put. I, I, I think Mike would say, uh, call BS on that and say he's a lucky sperm club, right? <laughs> like, exactly. Right? The McCaskies exactly. are the lucky sperm club. That's all. Oh, my goodness. That's exactly <laughs> how Mike North would put it. Yeah. Um, who is it here? Uh, the McDonald's. Uh, how about his answer? If there's a prerequisite to f- uh, make Fields a pro quarterback, I'm not sure that was the question. <clears throat> wasn't the question more? It was. Uh, uh, is uh, is uh, working with like basically working with Justin Fields a prerequisite to take, to uh, hiring this position, right. whether it's GM or coach? Right. So. so um, George McCaskey danced around that by saying, I don't answer hypotheticals. Yeah. Yeah. That was you started your question with an if. That's a hypothetical. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, just answer the fucking question. You're not endearing yourself to the fans at all. I don't understand why it's 
so hard to say, listen, we have a lot of confidence in Justin Fields. We're going to do everything possible to make him the absolute best quarterback. Uh, <laughs> but what happens, you know, if, if the next coach doesn't like him? Well, it's highly doubtful because the guy is great. Leave it at that and move I, on. Jeez. I can't think of a, of, of a worse – actually, George McCaskey, I can't think of the two worse press conference performances than George McCaskey these past two Januaries. You know, mm-hmm. to this, the one on Monday and the one last year, they're the worst. Yeah. Hits. It, it was almost as bad as the Brett Kavanaugh hearing where Brett Kavanaugh cried and said, I love beer. You know, it's like, <laughs> fuck. It was almost that bad. Paul Sullivan uh, for the Sun-Times, I think it's the Sun-Times, Sun-Times the Tribune, uh, wrote that uh, that was among the worst press conferences in Chicago sports history. Yeah. And yeah. that includes not only the Brother McCaskey's McGinnis uh, press yeah. conference, but yeah. also the press conference. I forgot the player's name. There was a <laughs> press conference called by a player from one of the Chicago sports teams to announce that he was no longer talking to the press. <laughs> that's something well hey Waldo we found one thing that McCaskey uh, boys are good at and that's giving shit press conferences <laughs> exactly Michael it and is. George they're the kings they hit it out of the park Vince <laughs> wants to know if someone in the bar room did something wrong wouldn't you take responsibility for it ultimately that's why George is responsible for these horrible yeah. seasons yeah we've had issues here at the bar room where you know I had uh too, and I, I gladly took the bullet for some of the errors that we made. Um, so I, totally. I mean, that's that's the mark of a good leader, I think, is that sometimes you say, hey, I apologize. It's on me and so forth. Even though inside you're saying, that motherfucker, how can he fuck this stuff? <laughs> but publicly, you uh, – you uh, you take the bullet and you know you know that uh, no well you hope that uh, things will pass. Uh, McDonald says again, Aldo Fields has to go twenty-seven and thirteen to tie matches. Does he, does he though? The, Doesn't he have to just get in the playoffs and maybe win a playoff game or get yeah, the Bears exactly. to the Super Bowl? Exactly. I think what he's saying is to compare to Mitch Trubisky's because uh, he's a, a Mitch supporter. I think yeah. that's what he's saying. Now that doesn't matter because you're talking about quarterbacks who have been brought up differently. The 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 way that Mitch uh, Mitch, for instance, Mitch had a longer uh, preseason camp. Mitch played in more preseason games, and so. Um, there's just a lot of differences. And so anyone that is making final evaluations or is highly skeptical of Justin Fields as a quarterback in the NFL is just not looking at all the data, not looking at all the relevant facts, not looking at the fact that Matt Nagy just got worse and worse and worse. I'll give you an example. Perfect example. Mike North Burger account. (laughs) That's good. And this is courtesy of Albert Breer. He actually uh, said this in an interview. He said, You got to look at Josh McDaniel as a head coach candidate for the Chicago Bears. Why? I like, yeah. Look at what he did with Mac Jones. He ran the fucking ball. He said that last week. Yes, you did. You did. And Max protection. He has guarded Mac Jones's inefficiencies. You know, he's he's protected against them. He's 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 hidden them. You know, and remember, in one game they ran the ball, th- uh, I mean they threw the ball just three so, times. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you think they did that because they really want to or because the weather was bad? No, it yeah. was 
partly the weather, but it was also because of Mac Jones. So McDaniel has done an outstanding job of masking uh, those qualities in Mac Jones that have not been fully developed. If he would have been Justin Fields, and by the way, uh, Josh McDaniel is on record as saying that he really loved Justin Fields coming out of college. And so this is, this is not something he's saying because he was vying for the job. This was something he said even before the job was open during the season, I think even before the season. So, so that, you know, there's some differences here. I, I don't think that we should, you know, we're, we're being a little too hasty to say a quarterback, it could be a bust based on the data that we have. Yeah, it was it was definitely a blizzard. It was uh, in a blizzard, but Matt Nagy still would have run the ball six times, thrown <laughs> thirty times. Absolutely, Matt Nagy doesn't get it. Yep, Matt Absolutely. Nagy never didn't it bother you? How many times? How many times were we in fourth and one, and Matt Nagy lined up in the shotgun, and we didn't run the freaking ball fourth? And mm-hmm. It was like Matt Nagy knew he was gone. He's like, yeah, you McCaskies Bears, you know, yeah, the show Bears, I'm gone. I'm gonna. Uh, uh, here we are. We're up at halftime. Second mm-hmm. half, I'm going to throw a game because you're going to fire my ass on Monday. You know, mm-hmm. and here's the play calls to prove it. But one of the one of the other things about that, and I wish I would have <laughs> played this. Um, uh, James Daniels in that press conference, he was asked about the offensive line, and he said something that made a lot of sense. He said, "I looked at other games with all pro." caliber left tackles getting help and chipping the pass rushers and so forth. And then I look at Jason Peters in Cleveland and he wasn't getting any of that kind of help. And I know that Jason Peters is a future hall of famer, but you're talking about a great pass rush with the Browns. And so credit to James Daniels uh, for pointing that out to the media he was basically saying he was basically throwing Juan Castillo under the bus, you know, saying, you, you know, we're, we're not getting the help as an offensive line that is necessary for this offense or for the personnel that we have at quarterback. Is it possible Juan Castillo is a bit overrated? I'm beginning to think so. Um, I mean, he, you know, he had to call in his old uh, player, Peters, just to even make the line looking good, you know? Exactly. He, coached, he coached Peters in Philadelphia, right? He did. He did. That is right. You know, when then when this line was falling apart, he couldn't do shit with it. He had to call he had to bring in Peters from Philadelphia, right. who was fishing. Well, and it's the guy was fishing. That. He was. He was literally fishing when he got the call. <laughs> um, and the other interesting thing about Castillo, who, who he loves those guys like Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum who have that edge to them. That's why he, he was really happy that the Bears yeah. drafted yeah. those two kind of edgy uh, Olin Krutz type offensive linemen. But, you know, his greatest uh, offensive lineman was the more sedate, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, Jason Peters. Jason Peters is not, you know, one of those uh, glass-crunching Offensive lineman. Do you remember a uh, was it Dan Deer? No, Conrad Dobler. Do you remember the name Conrad Dobler? The Rams, right? The Rams. Conrad. Yeah, Dobler. he was with the Rams and Cardinals. And the story mm-hmm. was is that he would chew glass before a game to get riled up and ready. I mean, he was a very, very <laughs> vicious offensive lineman. Uh, by the way, I think he died of uh, trying trying to shit out a piece of glass. <laughs> J Rock says, although would you bother would you bother if if the Bears 
uh, hire a coach that runs a 4-3 and would have to switch again. What do you think about that, Tooch? A little bit. A little bit of the so. The Bears run a lot of 4-3 already. They run, they run yeah. a lot of four-down linemen. Uh, uh, you know what? I think everything is open now. There's only, what, 30 guys or so who are under contract for next season. So whoever comes in, I hope that they are saying, listen, it, it is time to start over. Don't worry about a thing. In two or three years, the only names on this roster that you will recognize, if you sign them, if you give us the go-ahead for to re-sign them, are Justin Fields, Roquan Smith, David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, and maybe a couple, two or three other names. Outside of that, this roster, and I'm talking about starters and bench players are going to be all new names. And so the scheme that we'll be running, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that later, but this is, this is about blowing every fucking thing up and, and anything that smells of Andy Reed's offense and, and Chris Tabor's special teams, blow that fucking shit up, disinfect it and, and start all over. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need, you're going to need probably, a center and two guards. You know, you gotta get better in the middle of the field and the offensive line, middle of the offensive line, and then the middle of the defense. You know, you need safeties, safeties mm-hmm. that can blow people up and tackle. At least they're gonna not, you know, shy away from a tackle. I, let's just be honest. I, I don't. You don't like Eddie Jackson. <laughs> I don't like him. No. And McDonald asked I, the question, would you cut Eddie Jackson after some of the blunders he had the last two seasons? Cut him? No. No fucking way. It, yeah. You know, because who are you replacing him with? If you replace him with uh, DeAndre Houston Carson or Deion Bush, is that much of an improvement? You know, and you've got that debt cap money that you got to pay and so forth? No. You try to trade him. If not, you, you minimize uh, his playing time you know, disguise his deficiencies until it's much more an appropriate time to try to move them. Um, but you just don't cut somebody. That's, you know, there aren't, there aren't guys walking around in the street who can, even it, when Eddie Jackson is playing poorly, he knows the defense. He's calling all the signals for those defensive backs. There is some value in Eddie Jackson. So um, the fact that he doesn't like to tackle, that is a problem. <laughs> and he, he sometimes falls asleep out there. You know, it, it, and it's it's disconcerting that Jalen Johnson has had a couple of instances too where he's had brain farts out there, um, and and it's it always bites me in the, in the ass. Anytime I compliment somebody on social media, like I said, all these complimentary things about Sean Desai in the first half, and then in the second half, that defense comes out and just shits all over Sean Desai's face. That was awful. That was awful. I think I called him unqualified to be a defensive coordinator a couple shows back. Yeah, I, See, I, last I, shows. I, think, I think he's. I think he's good. I think I. I just. I don't know what happened there. I don't know. McDonald says that touchdown Eddie Jackson gave up to Justin Jefferson on Sunday was wild. No, I, I, a better word than wild was was uh, an abomination. Pathetic. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> Pathetic is very good. I mean, how can you do that? I mean, you know, wh- why are you – it's like he stopped to drink a cup of coffee and he said, oh, I better go back and guard my guy. Ah, oh, too late, touchdown. It, it, you know, he thought the play was over and he got embarrassed. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. He should be embarrassed. Yeah, um, I mean, I, 
I, I wish we could find the next Jamal Adams. I know that was one guy you really liked coming out of college. Uh, but man, look at that dude when he's in the game, you know, him or even uh, uh, what's that guy's name? The honey badger, Boot, even uh, Buddha Baker, the honey badger on when, when the chiefs are without the honey badger, they're not as good at defense. Tyrone the, Matthew, right? Tyrone, Tyrone Matthew. And uh, uh, I know him by his nickname, like soup Campbell. <laughs> I want to meet Soup Campbell. Come on, we need, Soup to, we need to get Soup Campbell on the on the show. We don't need to ask him how he got his fucking nickname, but we can talk to him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to have him. I would love to have any of these yeah. people in the NFL right now. But this is a this is their season. This is when they're the busiest. So it's really yeah. hard to get interviews with uh, people involved with uh, player acquisition and stuff. So uh, it it. It'll be highly unlikely we'll nail anybody, but maybe we'll 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 ask some questions and, and some requests. There's players at the end of the season, you know, they were mailing it in. Allen Robinson, you know, Eddie Jackson, Jalen. According, I mean, according to Jalen Johnson, there were some players who started to give up. Yeah, yeah, Jalen Johnson. I, he he's had a chip on his shoulder since that letter that Matt Nagy wrote him when they fined him for being late to a meeting. Remember that? Yeah, it was. T- do you think Matt Nagy really wrote that letter? Did you ever get? Did you ever get a look at that letter? Yeah, it was. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was handwritten, right? No, I think it was typed but signed. Oh, okay. By okay. Matt Nagy, but it was like we're finding you for you know. Uh, it was like very lawyerly, you know. Yeah. It's like fucking bring the kid into your office. And say, look, you got to You got to come to the exactly meeting on time. Exactly. Next time, next time, I'm gonna have to. Don't make me find you. Exactly. You know, and, like, and, and don't put it on paper. Then, <laughs> anything that you say or do or anything yeah. or anything, don't fucking sign anything. You know, let let Ted Phillips fucking sign. <laughs> yeah, he'll get thrown under the bus for for that shit. I, yeah, that's that was stupid. I, I, the whole idea of finding players in today's NFL to me doesn't work. But you know. yeah, don't find. I mean. Just bench him, put another guy in there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the accountability thing that right. we're missing, you know? No, yeah. got, Eddie Jackson was never benched for missing tackles. The thing, you know? the thing about that, though, is unless you're absolutely sure that the guy that is going to go in there isn't going to give up touchdowns, then benching that starter could be hurting the team and the team's chances of winning. You know, so that's the yeah. difficult yeah. thing that a head coach has to uh, maneuver around. Yep. I mean, you know, I remember that the season starter against the Green Bay Packers last season, the 2020 season, the very first game, I think it was Eddie Jackson who went out for a couple of plays to get a breather and Deion Bush was in there and there was Aaron Rodgers. It's a long pass. Uh, he. Yeah. he Great quarterbacks like that are looking at the secondary and they're looking at matchups. And yep. when they see number 26 in there, as opposed to 38 or 31, whatever his number was before it turned it to four, he's going to say, I'm going to throw in that direction. So difficult to what bench you, guys. What do you think about that? That's one yeah, thing we didn't talk about. Yeah. You know what? It, it um, I guess it, it didn't bother me. Um, you know, opinions are know. split on it, you know, because yeah, Matt you know, didn't like, fans in his last press release, uh, right. in his last press conference. Um, I didn't, he's not happy him. with the fans after that high school football game, so yeah. I mean, 
part of me can't blame him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, know? it would have been nice if he would have said, you know, a lot of fans treated me nice. Yeah. And so, but he, I think he wanted to make sure that it didn't sound like a goodbye speech because he, he, he had probably, if he was aware that he was going to be fired or was told, I should say, that he was going to be fired, he, he had to be under secrecy. They, they told him, yeah, we're going to do the, do the courtesy and tell you that we're not going to bring you back next season, but you, you need to keep it under your hat for the next three, four weeks unless yeah. you don't yeah. want to coach the team the rest of the way. Um, so I don't know. And then at the press conference, he was asked about the press leak around Thanksgiving. You know, was mm -hmm. was the, you know was there any truth to the rumor that Matt Nagy would be fired? You know, that's right. He was like, I some reporter I never heard of at some website I just found out about. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I believe him on that. I I do believe him. And you know, that reporter had never covered sports. He was an investigative reporter with the Chicago Sun Times. Won a, a Pulitzer Prize. But was released. I, the word on, on the street was is that he was kind of an uh, an asshole and didn't treat people well. So he lost his job, and is now working for an aggregate well website. They collect stories from different uh, 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 news organizations and release them through their website. But he was also an on staff reporter, which means that his career is taking quite the tumble. And, Mark Conkle. Uh, Mark Conkle, yeah. So and, right. and and he he did release that, a statement afterwards on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw it. I, I was I like, uh, I cultivated the source in Hallis Hall, and I stand by my my reporting. Mm -hmm. You know, the source was within Hallis Hall. But good you know. journalism is about also getting that second source. You need confirmation. Yeah. You know, um, uh, the best journalists in the business are not going to go print or report on something that doesn't have at least two sources. Uh, if If you're just relying on one source, you could end up being a sucker. And I think maybe McConkel was played for a sucker. I think Hub Arkish, a longtime reputable uh, sports journalist covering the Bears here in town, I think he got maybe suckered a couple of times on stuff. He reported yeah. that uh, Matt Nagy was told by management to start Justin Fields. And, and uh, McCaskey has denied that. In fact, McCaskey shared a story about Nagy Asking him, who do you think I should start? And uh, McCaskey said, I was surprised that he would ask me that question. Uh, so, yeah, you're the coach, man. <laughs> exactly. Ask me if you need tickets. <laughs> Don't ask yeah, me. Exactly. Who, who Speaking of, of Pulitzer, Pulitzer oh. Prizes, I did see a movie I forgot had forgotten that mm -hmm. I said it was called The Tender Bar with Ben Affleck. Oh. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, it's a good, good little story. Uh, it's one of those coming of age period pieces takes place in mm -hmm. around. I think the author is like about four years older than me. It's in between you and me. So you would probably like the period of this got a great 70s soundtrack. And Affleck yeah. plays this, this uh, brother to a single mother who has a little boy, probably maybe about 10 years old, that hangs out in the bar that I guess the family owns. And and, and uh, uh, Ben Affleck is the, is the bartender there. And he, he dishes out all this great, like, he's the cool uncle. You know, he's got these great sayings. He's really smart. You know, he's not a dumb, just a dumb bartender. It takes place on Long Island in, like, the early 70s, um, early to mid-70s. And, you know, the boy is is uh, growing up, you know, and he goes to Yale and all this stuff. His mom wants to be a lawyer. It's, it's J.R. Moringer is the author who's his memoirs, uh, which, uh, he, you know, he was a New York Times reporter. 
Um, he also did uh, autobiography, a couple autobiographies. I forget whose autobiographies he did, but both of those were well, uh, well received. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He's first... a former New York Times reporter. Um, God, I forget oh. who's who. Uh... Here, let me do a Google thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the role that... played by Affleck, right? Affleck was the uncle, Uncle Charlie, and uh, uh, Ty Sheridan plays the the J.R. Moringer character, who's based on his life, the semi autobiographical. Can't find it. Uh, anyway, the tender bar, tender bar cast. J.R. Moringer. Books. Great radio when you're doing Google searches. Yeah. <laughs> um, J.R. McGuire by Tayar. Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to look at it. I've never seen the movie, so I don't know what the fuck I'm looking for. But anyway, um, um, yeah, Orion just joined the show. He says, I'm at the beginning of the show that James Daniels question, almost losing all respect for, for Daniels. Yeah, well, that was really, really strange, man. But uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to definitely blow things up. We've got to, you know, uh, get some some of these answers. Yeah, was, uh, George McCask, excuse me, uh, Greg Gabriel said that it should probably take a week before they announce the first hiring. And, it, and they are moving pretty quickly. And it appears like what the Bears are going to do is the first round of interviews are all going to be over Zoom. And if they like somebody, then they'll bring them in for a face-to-face. Um, so things have got to move pretty quickly. Given all the names that I'm seeing, you know, man, there's a lot of head coaching candidates. Now there's fewer, uh, at least confirmed general manager candidates. Uh, so hopefully they'll they'll make a, a decision soon. I really do like this Morocco Brown just simply on personality. You know, it's hard, of course, for any one of us fans to make a, a, a really valued evaluation on these guys because we, we're not privy to a lot of that information. What you want to see with most general manager candidates, you want to see their scouting reports. You want to see what it is they said about Justin Fields when they scouted him, you know, and uh, that way you get authentic uh, representations of how they feel about certain players. You want to, you want to see, you know, the gems, the scouting reports on gems. Uh, You want to see scouting reports on players who, uh, who they missed on? What was what? What did you write about? You know, Tariq Cohen, for instance. Why didn't you think that he was a viable player? You, you that's going to help you accumulate the information to make a, a good choice, a good evaluation. And so, from that standpoint, Bill Polian is probably a good guy for that job. Brett Campbell is joining us just when we're about to close the show. <laughs> he wrote the autobiography of Andre Agassi called Open. Ah, and what's the name of the guy again? The New York Times. J.R. Moringer won a Pulitzer Prize for his memoirs, "The uh, The Tender Bar," and "Open," an autobiography of uh, uh, Andre Agassi. I, Andre Agassi loved the Tender Bar so much that he hired him to do the uh, his auto, his biography. Gotcha. Ghost write his autobiography for him. Yeah. Well, I have to check that out because your last recommendation was, of course, the Jane Campion movie. Uh, uh, the power so good. Of- yeah, and it just won the Golden Globe for best drama. So yep, watch out, you uh, you did, and you get to see it for free on Netflix. You know, it's what's yeah. great about it. You know, uh, yeah. you know, the, sometimes you get to see the 
the Oscar winners uh, on, you know, places uh, where you don't have to pay to sit in the theater, you know, whatever, 35 bucks, you know, for movie for two and popcorn and whatever, you know, it's probably more like 50 bucks now, you know? Yeah. You know, they've announced the Oscar nominees yet, but they have or haven't? They haven't, right? I don't think they have yet, no. Okay. But uh, you got to figure uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch will be at best the actor, absolutely top of the list. Uh, you know, Will Smith, like I said, for the King Richard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I know the uh, some of the uh, um, was that the last duel, which has Ben Affleck as well. They said that he was really right. excellent in that too, sort of mm-hmm. supporting actor, uh, which I haven't seen yet. But I, you know, I love Ridley Scott movies as well. Oh, love his stuff. Yeah, Gladiator was on the other day, and I I still contend awesome. Gladiator has one of the best endings in yeah. movie history. Yep. Have to be at least for you know my taste. Um, I I want to do a uh, I want to devote time when Dan's back. Maybe the three of us can talk about great movie endings. You know, we we mentioned yeah. uh, Feet Under as a TV show had a great ending to that uh, six seven season run. Uh, but I want to talk about movie endings. For me, Gladiator has one of the best movie endings of all time. Won't get into it now, but let's yeah. put that on a, as a topic for conversation in the weeks ahead. And we'll be talking about a lot of stuff uh, on the Dan and Aldo show with Johnny Santucci. We'll be talking about the draft. One of the things that Tooch loves to do is uh, scout players and provide evaluations. Oh, yeah. so we'll lean on his expertise for that. And uh, we'll, we're going to come up with a lot of interesting uh topics and bits uh so you this show will be on all season long all off season long so uh, make sure you uh keep with us here uh tucci you got uh anything you want to promote or tell people before we pull the plug on today's show um let's see I, you know of course i'm giving away a free play every day i have uh vips that subscribe to my picks Nice. You know, but uh, man, my free my free picks are ice cold. I think I lost my last four. Oh, you know, no. just and I'm just it's just like like today, like one point or a half point. I'm just missing. So uh, uh, if you're, you know, I'll be back. I had I had a, a run of 17 straight free pick winners, like uh, right before that. You know, it's like now I'm like four or four straight losers. You nice. know, but uh, we'll be back. Uh, I uh, for VIPs, I had the. Uh, national championship pick last night. Pay all three of my national championship game picks hit for VIPs. I had the first quarter under, the first half under, and the full game under. Bam, three. That nice. was it. Three wins right there. Set nice. me up. And I was so up and busy, I could not get a bet in. I wanted to get a yeah. bet in on that. And you know, the only bet I've made in the last two weeks is uh, on the Bulls. And yep. lo and behold, it was the game they lost. <laughs> <laughs> And the Bulls are like number one in the East, or if not number one, they're number two. So this is great, you know. They are playing outstanding basketball. Yeah. I, 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 I put out on Twitter the only thing that can stop the Bulls from going all the way to the conference championship game is injuries. That's the only thing that can stop yeah. them. They're clearly the best team in the East, Eastern Conference. They could make it to the NBA Finals, man. And yeah. I'm so happy you to gotta see watch that. out for that the 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 Greek giant, you know, mm-hmm. the Bucks. Okay. That guy is like he's just an amazing player, Jonas. You know, I got a last year in the in the he was like a a, a man playing with little kids. Mm-hmm. You know, because not only is he like six foot eleven, 
but he like moves like a point guard. He really does. He's all muscle. There's no fat. Yeah. And yep. he can shoot. Yeah. You know, it's like shoot, move, dribble, jam. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It just he, he really is a you know a good comp for him. It's like LeBron yeah. and James, yep. you know, because he does all those things yeah. uh, so well. You yep. know, Jordan, Michael Jordan could have been a better passer, but he hated to give up the ball because yeah. generally there weren't that many good shooters that, you know, and, and you know, he's such a competitive guy that yeah, if he wanted to take the shot, he yep. you know, he he what was he quoted once? No. Said, Why should I pass the ball into Bill Cartwright so that he can yeah. it over or something like yeah, that? Exactly. <laughs> Which is true. The <laughs> ugliest shot in NBA history. Oh, Bill my Cartwright. God. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Him and, uh, and uh, Joakim Noah, those, those yeah. free throw shots yeah. from Joakim. How, how, how did he? How did frog he shot. Yeah. Like a frog swimming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, everybody. It is time uh, to say adios to everybody. Thanks a lot. We had a lot of people on on board for the live version. Uh, let people know that the show is available on demand here at the Barroom Network YouTube. It'll be out on the audio podcast channels uh, in a couple of hours. So let them know if you like this kind of humor and insight into the Chicago Bears. Uh, let them know about Dan and all the. Bear We've got to thank uh, thank uh, George McCaskey for giving us all the great material, Aldo. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes. I mean, that material will last us weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I can no longer play some of my other favorite hits like this one. I've failed in a lot of different ways. Yeah, so you know, you know nobody. Look how young he. I've is. failed in a lot of different ways. <laughs> so he was making that admission two, three years ago. It's like the those ones I did of him getting progressively older. <laughs> last, right. last week awesome. where he was just fine like desiccated <laughs> that was sunk, sunken and desiccated <laughs> now in this one i gotta i gotta maybe put mccaskey's face get your shit together get it all together and put it in a backpack all your shit so it's together yeah i i, I have to change the face from maggie to uh uh, uh, McCaskey, yeah. maybe even Polian if he if he fucking fucks this up. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I gotta I gotta retire those uh, or make some changes to them. So you know, I'm, the, you? I'm the uh, Jambi from Pee Wee's Playhouse. They said disembodied head. You can You're see right. my shirt here. Come on, it is true. You do look like a <laughs> oh, okay. The toddlers are back there sleeping, you know. I've got the yeah, you got the, 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 the green screen, screen here. Green but, screen. You know that yeah. green that virtual green screen taxes my CPU. It's just like you know that gets yeah. a video lag. It's like ah, uh, I need yeah. a better video card or processor. Yeah, uh, I need to do some cleaning up on my computer. It's starting to show yeah. some signs of you got a lot of stuff in your hard drive. I would love to have a new MacBook. I'll tell you. All right, go fund uh, Tucci's Mac. Uh, <laughs> will be up tomorrow morning, everybody. All right, uh, I want to say for John Santucci, Dan Aguirre, I am Aldo Gandia. We will be back here tomorrow uh, in the morning. It will be, excuse me, in the afternoon, it's the Bar Down Hockey Talk Show with the Parisi brothers and their cousin, Frank Mueller. That's a great and entertaining show. And then, My guys. 
Yeah, that's right. The Parisi the, brothers. The Parisi brothers. I used to watch them play Little League when they were little boys. It's a small, small <laughs> world, I'm telling you. And then uh, at 7 p.m., a very special Buffon 55. He's going to have multiple guests on, and uh, it, it's going to be a jam-packed two-hour show. And then uh, closing out our our, our broadcast chat, uh, broadcasting for tomorrow will be science fiction. Uh, the guys will be talking about some science fiction movies that they've just recently seen. You got to check that show out, Tucci. Maybe yeah, uh, I, 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 I have watched uh, watched their Spider Man, the new yeah. Spider Man movie review. I, I would like to do like a rewatch of the original Star Wars movie, like Science Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yes. I was watching it. Maybe you and I and, and someone could do it, but I was laughing. I took some screenshots and I. My, and uh, I was watching with my daughters, the original mm-hmm. Star Wars. I took mm-hmm. some screenshots. I'm like, why the hell is C-3PO burning Jawa bodies? <laughs> it's such a useless scene. That then there was then there was a scene with uh uh it was like pull it was like uh pull out Porkins, and then they cut to this guy, Porkins. It's a fat guy, of course. Mm-hmm. It's like didn't <laughs> yeah. that actor didn't that actor say something like, Come on, Porkins? You like, name yeah. me? Is it because I'm fat? Why the fuck is my character named Porkins? <laughs> <laughs> that's good i've had that idea too of doing kind of a mystery yeah. science theater on some films we maybe we'll the original star wars would be perfect because there's yeah. so there's so much material there oh my gosh and, and you know? the fact that i did not like the movie so i can just fucking make fun of it through, for two straight hours man you guys have to throw me off the we get the, the science fiction guys in there yeah it's my goodness joe that's- mandel Oh, of course, Joe. It's a huge well, Star Wars fan. Um, the Parisi brothers are huge uh, Marvel sci-fi geeks too, so they they'd be fun. They got great senses of humor. Anyway, that is <laughs> it uh, tonight. Uh, this is, of course, the Barroom Network. Uh, Dan and Alder bear their souls for John Santucci, Dan Aguirre. I'm Aldo Gandia. Bye bye. See you tomorrow. Good night.